Hello, welcome to the Unspoiled Gamer. I'm your host, Rob. I'm about to review the Slaves of Darkness Battle Tome. Now, not all of the units necessarily are out. I think almost all of the units are out, so we're going to go through the whole lot. We know sub-factions, command traits, artifacts, spells, war scrolls. It's going to be really good. Really looking forward to doing it. I don't think it's going to take me too long, which is very exciting. So I'm very much looking forward to seeing how it goes. I'm really hoping the Slaughter Brute ends up being excellent. I'm really looking forward to that. And I'd like it if the army plays quite aggressively and doesn't end up being an army that just sits on the objectives. But we'll see. We don't know. I do know that you can do over a thousand damage, over a thousand damage with a unit of Chaos Chosen, which is very exciting. So looking forward to it. So it's going to be really fun. And me and the chat are going to be in it for the long haul. If you do like it, obviously like and subscribe, support me on Patreon, all those other things. It's also a podcast if you want to listen to it via podcast. And if you are listening to the podcast, Please stay hydrated. Okay, the first thing we're going to look at is the battle traits for the Slaves to Darkness book. Battle traits are what you get when you make your whole army have the Slaves to Darkness keyword. Don't forget, when you play an AOS standard, which is 2,000 points, you can have up to 400 points of allies. And then those are obviously listed in uh, at the back of the book where the points are. But you need all the units to have the Slaves to Darkness keyword. Really easy. That gives you access to battle traits. The battle traits for Slaves to Darkness are the Marks of Chaos. Some Slaves to Darkness units have one or more of the following keywords on their war scroll. Undivided, Corn, Zinch, Nurgle, and Sinesh. For Slaves to Darkness armies... Um, uh, these keywords are referred to as a Mark of Chaos. Other Slaves to Darkness units have the Mark of Chaos keyword, but when you pick a Slaves to Darkness unit that has a Mark of Chaos keyword to be a part of Slaves to Darkness army, you must give it one of the following keywords. So Corn, love fighting. Zinch, love spells. Nurgle, love standing. Slanesh, love, love. Undivided, love not picking a side. Right? And write this down on your roster until uh, roster. Units that are the wizards cannot be given the corn keyword. Okay, Depending on the keywords, so the darkness units benefit from the following battle traits. So you get these. So basically, if you've picked units to be a Mark of Chaos Undivided, then there you go, Mark of Corn. And I'm pretty certain you can mix and match. In fact, you can, you can mix and match different marks in this army. Uh, so you can have a unit of like Chaos Knights with the Mark of Corn, a unit of Nurgle Warriors, like Chaos Warriors with the Mark of Nurgle basically. Uh, so when they go in your army, got to pick it. Happy? We're happy. Okay, so the first one we're going to look at is the Mark of Chaos Undivided. So if you have undivided units, right? All mortal and Ogroids, don't leave them out, Saves the Darkness Undivided units that are not unique, gain the Eye of the Gods keyword. When a Saves the Darkness Undivided hero rolls on the Eye of the Gods table, so it's a hero, um, you can re-roll any one of the dice. We'll look at the Eye of the Gods in a minute. Um, in addition, undivided slave startless heroes can issue the following command, which is slay the worthy foes. You can use this command ability at the start of the combat phase. A friendly undivided slave startless unit must receive the command. To the end of that phase, you add one to wound rolls for attacks made by melee weapons that target the enemy, hero, or monster. Okay? So really, really easy. Okay? We love it. It's great. Let's go. Okay, so this, is, so this is all about the Eye of the Gods. At the end of each phase, for each enemy hero or monster destroyed by a friendly Slaves to Darkness unit with the Eye of the Gods keyword, including those destroyed by an ability or spell used by Slaves to Darkness unit, make one roll on the Eye of the Gods table for that Slaves to Darkness unit and apply the effect of the result. Okay, so already we know that uh, for each enemy or hero, so each hero or monster that we kill with one of our Saves to Darkness units, yeah, with the Eye of the Gods keyword, which is most of the heroes, yeah, then 
you're going to get to uh, roll on the eye of the gods. But if you're doing undivided, like if that hero's got undivided, it's going to get to re-roll one of them. And then in addition, so in addition, if you gain control of an objective previously controlled by your opponent, now don't forget your regular bros have now got the market. So your mortal and ogroids have also got the undivided keyword now, which means they've got the eye of the gods table. Uh, in addition, if you gain control of an objective previously controlled by your opponent, make one roll on the eye of the gods table for each friendly slaves to darkness unit with the eye of the gods keyword that is contesting it. When rolling on the either God's table, you roll 2d6 for a hero, but if you're doing any other unit, you uh, you roll one dice and then you add two. So you can then get results from three to eight, okay? Now, there is a banner and a spell. So there's a spell that immediately lets you roll on the either God's table. Pretty cool. So we already know, so there's a spell that lets you do it. Uh, you're undivided, which is cool. Uh, so you can roll on the Eye of the Gods table. You could be a Chaos Chosen unit where you, at the beginning of the game, you get to roll on the Eye of the Gods table. You do a spell to roll on the Eye of the Gods table. Then you kill a hero or monster and roll on the Eye of the Gods table. And then you uh, take an objective and you roll on the Eye of the Gods table. Also, multiple units can be controlling an objective and all roll on the Eye of the Gods table. Just all you're doing is rolling. You need some eyeball dice, obviously. Like, obviously, you need some sort of dice with eyes on it. Because, or maybe even just design like a physical, like, kind of like table where you just like roll it along the, the table or something with a slot. I don't know. Like, I feel like this is a fun game you can make for yourself. Anyway, uh, just keep rolling. That's all you do. Okay, so what do you do if you roll on the table? You've talked about the table a lot, Rob. What do you get? Okay. Uh, uh, there's also a command trait that allows you to do it as well. Thank you to Final Flash in the chat. Okay. So, spawned them. The hero is slain. Uh-oh, and you become a spawn. Before you remove from the battlefield, you can add one Slaves to Darkness Cow Spawn to your army. If you do so, set within an inch of the hero, then remove the hero from play. Okay. Um, maybe something that you try to fish for. If he's only if they're only left on one wound, spawn's got more wounds. Who knows? Snubbed by the gods, no effect. Mutative growth. So Snubbed by the Gods is something you can roll on one of your units. So Chaos Warriors, Chaos Knights, Chaos Chosen, as an example. Um, so then Snubbed by the Gods, no effect, that's a three. Uh, you can heal up to D3 wounds allocated to this unit. If this unit has no wounds allocated to it, treat it as Snubbed by the Gods. That's great on multi-wound units like Theridins, just a hero. You know, that's another way of getting another heal on a hero. Flames of Chaos. Uh, you get a two-plus Spell Ignore. Um... Uh, yeah, the next time this unit is affected by a spell cast by the enemy unit, roll a dice and two plus the effects of that spell on this unit. Unit cannot be affected by the result more than once at the same time. Okay. Uh, you've got unearthly reflexes. Until the end of the battle, I'd want to charge rolls made for this unit, which is pretty good because I bet a lot of the uh, banners give you like plus one to charge. I already give you like plus two to charge, which is great. Some people will take a spell, like an endless spell, and then have to cast it just to get that in some armies. Uh, you've got unholy resilience, which until the end of the battle, you have a ward of six plus. Now, some units already have, Chaos Warriors already have like a ward save, right? But some units are going to really benefit from this. I don't think. Chosen have a ward save, so I think that's a good place for the ward save. And then you've got Slaughterer's Strength. This is, uh, by the way, I now mainly do Warhammer content like Matt Berry. Mother! Slaughterer's Strength is until the end of the battle, improve the rend characteristic of this unit's melee weapons by one. Okay, which is pretty good. Yeah, that's great. So again, you're chosen who already rend one, start the battle, rend two, do a spell, rend three. Yeah. Then they go grab an objective, rend four. They're just Punching. So yeah, it's a mortal wound save. So you still get the six plus ward after. I'm being asked in the, the chat. Yes, you would. So uh, like, so it's, it's worth checking what's a ward and what is not a ward. If something is an award, you can do it plus a ward, uh, which is effectively a 
DPR check, uh, so a damage prevention role. Some people know it as a feel no pain. There's loads of that stuff. Um, okay. <laughs> so, and then there's a spell, like we talked about, which lets you... There's a battle tactic that you get if you roll on the Eye of the Gods table. Lust for power. You pick one friendly save start on this hero that has the Eye of the Gods keyword. You complete this battle tactic if you roll on the Eye of the Gods table for that hero during this turn. So you could try to cast a spell on them just to do it via that system, or you could set them up for the fight. Like There's, there's a couple of fallbacks for that, but we'll talk about the tactics in a bit, and obviously ban book tactics forever. Um, uh, that's not good. There's also, if you're playing undivided... Oh, no, we've, I think we've covered everything when we're talking about Eye of the Gods, effectively. Uh, there's a command trait we talked about. There's a spell from the spell law, which is Chaotic Conduit. Uh, it's got a casting value of 7 and a range of 12 inches. Pick one friendly Eye of the Gods unit. And don't forget, if you're undivided, you're giving units Eye of the Gods keyword within range that is visible to the caster. And you can immediately roll on the Eye of the Gods table for that unit. Okay, so that's great. And we love that. Now, the other thing you can do when you're playing Slaves of Darkness is you're able to take an icon or a banner. You get one free in your army list. Same way some armies get like a mount trait. Uh, or stuff like that. And some armies don't have access to mount traits. So it's that sort of thing. So you get a free ensorcelled banner, a a banner. Now, they're, uh, they're all keyword locked apart from the Blasphemous Icon, which is while this model is on the battlefield, subtract one from chanting rolls for prayers chanted by priests that do not have the Chaos keyword. It's okay. I probably don't think you'll take that, uh, mainly because the other ones are so strong. And then you've got the Dread Banner, Undivided Unit. So this is if you're running Undivided only. Each time this unit rolls on the Eye of the Gods table, you can roll two dice instead of one and pick one to be used as your roll. Okay? So uh, you can just really buff a unit up. And those banners, by the way, can only be taken on Chaos Chosen, Chaos Warriors, or Chaos Knights. Okay, um, so I reckon there's a, there's a really good infographic that we could probably create here where you just I talk about how much either God stuff you can do. I might try and do that uh, after this video, but that's that's the undivided faction. Okay, the next one we're going to talk about is corn. Are you excited about doing 703 damage? Welcome to corn, baby. Okay, so if you give your units the mark of corn keyword. Then you get to add one to the attack characteristic of melee weapons used by Corn Slaves to Darkness units if they made a charge, don't forget. In addition, Corn Slaves to Darkness heroes can issue the following command. Let the blood flow. You can use this command ability at the start of your charge phase. A friendly Corn Slaves to Darkness unit must receive it. And after that unit makes a charge, you pick an enemy unit with an inch and roll two plus. You roll, you get D3 mortal wounds. Now that's a by the by. No one really cares. Maybe it's important. Off you go. Right, But the thing that you really want to talk about is this plus one attack. Now, you're giving them the corn keyword, and this is really thrilling because it means you get to add in some really fantastic allies, specifically the Blood Secretor, who's got a plus one attack aura. So then that's going to be plus two attacks. Now, by the way, thank you to the Twitch chat who have been helping with this. You can also do Wrathmongers. That's another plus one attack. Doomfire Sigil potentially also gives you another plus one attack. Uh, but we'll talk about that. I'll do like a combo breakdown at the end. But you can just do a lot. And uh, thank you to Toby in the chat who's let me know that I think the most damage you can get is with plus six attacks on a unit of Chaos Chosen, giving them 115 attacks doing 703 damage. Amazing. Mark of Corn to the moon. Possible attack. Now, this also uh, buddies up really nicely with the banner that you can take if you go for uh, um, if you go for corn, because the banner which you can take gives you. Uh, so you can, don't forget, you can only take this on chosen chaos warriors and. Um, 
uh, yeah, so Chosen, Chaos Warriors, and Chaos Knights. And it's called the Banner of Rage, and you add plus one to wound rolls for attacks that are made by the melee weapons from this unit. Okay? So uh, that's really great, especially if you stack a unit. Like if you if you make what we call a Death Star, right? If you just put all of the buffs into a single unit, you can create this like big power ball of damage. Uh, and that's going to be using the Mark of Corn, using all those buffs to just absolutely pump a unit up. Just imagine like a little foot pump. You just keep pumping them up. Or I don't know if you've ever seen in a movie when someone's just just rolling up a punch. Yeah, I mean, you just before you're about to like absolutely downtown swanton bomb someone. One of them and then bomb. Big hit. Okay. That's corn right now. Uh incredible stuff. So Wrathmongers, Blood Secretor. Um uh, so Mr. Wilson in the chat says, what Boss Wilson says, if pigs and eels had babies, they'd be chaos knights. Because if you do have, uh, I think the thing he's talking about is when you do stack, when you have multiple melee profiles, if you have plus one attack on all of those melee profiles, then you'll get plus two attacks. So if you're having plus six attacks on a single unit, you're getting plus 12, which is nice. Because I always say double-double is more fun. That's the best bit. Okay, so that's corn. Let's move on to the next one. Okay, so if you take the Mark of Zinch, which previously was the best one, former people who've been playing Age of Sigmar before all had their stuff Mark of Zinch, and now it's changed, and much worse than it was previously. Different as well. Uh, let's just say different, but probably worse. Uh, so, okay, what you get is you can roll a dice. You basically get a six-up spell ignore on Zinch, saves the darkness units. So even if you ally in a Zinch unit, that won't get this spell ignore. Um, uh, and then in addition, Zinch, Slaves of Darkness, Wizards know the following spell, which is Warp Reality. It's cast on a six, and it's got a range of nine inches. If you successfully cast, you pick a friendly Zinch, Slaves to Darkness unit, so it can't be an allied-in unit of Zinch as well, visible to the caster. Remove that unit from the battlefield and set it up again within range of the caster, more than nine inches from all enemy units. Okay, at time of recording, it doesn't say you can't move afterwards. So there's a bunch of units, like very offensive units, that you would maybe want to move afterwards, because then you can definitely guarantee their charges, because it's going to be closer. Someone was talking about how Chaos Knights are better um, because they're charging, which makes sense. But this doesn't really currently beat the the lulls that you're getting for the Undivided, rolling on the Eye of the Gods tables, and the lulls that you're getting for the Mark of Corn with just the pure number of attacks that you're going to be doing, um, which is great. I actually think that the, the Mark of Corn is really great for the state of the game because it really provides us with some DPS check units. There's a lot of units in the game that are like, ha-ha, you can't kill me, um, and the Mark of Corn definitely could deal with that. However... If we're looking at the uh, the banner that you can take, so the the free banner that you could take, you could take the Zinch one, and this is the um, this is the blasted standard, and you get a four plus ward save against shooting attacks, and honestly, isn't bad. There's like like that's quite good. You've got a unit that you're already going to give like a Mystic Shield save to. You're going to give it like all out defense. It's going to be like thirty warriors that are just going to hold an objective. Then. Then having it so that you get a four ward against shooting, in addition to having great armor stacking saves. I mean, that's going to be outrageously tough to shift and good in some matchups. So yeah, that's that's really good. But it just doesn't really currently compete with the other stuff for me. Uh, but like, there's some fun techie pieces. A lot of the people in the chat who are very good Age of Sigmar players who I've seen perform well around the world, um, like there's Phil and Toby and a bunch of great people in the chat, like they're all saying that they're not super fans, but you are going to be able to like do some fun techie pieces. Like you're going to be able to do like a teleport and move and grab an objective, right? Which is quite cool. So interesting, interesting mark, but not as good as it was. 
Okay, next one is Nurgle. And this might be the one that you see in some lists. Not all of them, some. That's a joke. Uh, okay, so what do you get if you have the Mark of Nurgle on a Slaves of Darkness unit? Subtract one from the wound rolls for attacks made in melee. Okay, minus one to wound. It's comfortably one of the best debuffs in the game. I've said this a lot. It's a great way of dealing with Gargants. Uh, you've got a lot of ways in Age Sigmar to get plus one to hit. Loads of different ways to get plus one to hit. Therefore, minus one to hit isn't as effective uh, because you can kind of skip it. But minus one to wound is another matter. That's why the Frostheart Phoenix is so good. Um, it's just really, really great. Uh, and that's going to be every unit in the game. And as we've been talking about in the chat, the average save is like a three-up armor save. I'm sure there are some four-up armor save units. So they're already going to save a lot of the, the attacks that you give them and uh, then minus one to wound. Just going to be quite effective. Okay, and then they've got the... Uh, the uh, saves, uh, Nurgle Saves the Hero can also use this command, which is uh, a command ability at the start of the combat phase. A friendly Nurgle Saves the Darkness unit must receive this command, and after this unit fights for the first time in that phase, roll a dice for each unit within three inches of this unit on a three plus, they suffer D3 mortal wounds. So... Uh, you take a big block. Oh, let's talk about the banner, and then we'll talk about that bit. Uh, so then the Nurgle banner is called the Eroding Icon, and it's mainly eroding our faith in the game. <laughs> I'm joking. It's not, but it's pretty good, right? <laughs> uh, right, and this goes on a Nurgle unit, so don't forget the only units you can go on are Chaos Chosen, 3-up armor save, Chaos Warriors, 3-up armor save, and Chaos Knights with a 3-up armor save. And the Nurgle banner is you worsen the Ren characteristic of melee weapons used by this model by one, while they're wholly within 12 inches of this unit. Now, some things to kind of talk about. You, you worsen the models, so it's not a unit. So each model within, or well, wholly within 12 inches of this unit, which is a pretty big range. Now, sure, you might be attacking this unit, but it's got an absolutely massive range. It's going to have 12 inches from one side and 12 inches from the other side for a big 24-inch kind of bubble. It's going to be nuts. And as we were talking about in the chat, when you have like Chaos Warriors or Chaos Knights, which both have large footprints, they're 32 mil bases or they're cavalry bases, they can have really massive footprints. So then you're reducing the rend of them. And it's on melee weapons. You're reducing the rend by one. So you're going to really make it so that, so minus one to wound, minus one rend in an aura, right? Uh, it's within 12 inches. Uh, worse than red characters melee weapons by enemy models while within, wholly within 12 inches of this unit unit not just the banner so huge minus one rend bubble i know what you're saying to yourself rob why is that such a big deal okay this is just for new people chat don't really need the help here but just in case because you've already got a three up armor save your rend one's only going to take up to a four more up armor save so they're going to already negate half of your attacks but now you're not going to ignore that and because they're on a three up armor save they can really like the difference between three and four up armor save is kind of night and day in age sigma at the minute because there's so many ways to add plus one to your save so when you're on a four up you can go to a three up and the three up is the best you can have but you can ignore rend and like because you can stack the save but when it goes from a three to a two you can go on a two up armor save ignore rend one um, because you go to a top armor save via Mystic Shield or like all-out defense. So I can add plus two to my save and ignore rend one. So effectively, I'm just rolling twos. This is very, very, very good. Super strong, very survivable. It's going to be a very survivable army. High armor saves, really effective. Um, thankfully, uh, there's no way to like rally all these models. Otherwise, that would be completely over the top. Okay, so if you run Slanesh, 
a final kind of like mark that you can get. It's pretty cool. You add one to run and charge rolls. Some units already have built-in um, bonuses to their like charging, basically. So this is really good. Plus one to run and charge rolls for Snash Slaves to Darkness units. In addition, Slaves to Darkness heroes can issue the following command, which is that you can run and charge. So close in for the kill. So uh, you pick a Snash Slaves to Darkness unit. So again, not an allied in unit. So if you've got your Chaos Knights, which I think are base move 12, might be 10, Obviously, you can add plus six inches to that because you can just you can roll it, but you can also just use the CP command ability to make it an auto six. And then um, there's also a prayer that you're going to be able to take, so you can charge on a three d six, charge on a three d six. So chaos chosen as an example, um, they are base movement five. You can add plus six to that with a run and charge if you wanted to, and then. Uh, you can charge on 3d6, which is pretty competent, right? And they also their banner is also plus one to charge, so it would be plus two to charge. So it would be two plus 3d6 as a charge, which is pretty good. Um, uh, <laughs> I'm wearing... Everyone, I'm wearing the Team Malta team top, is what I'll have you know, right? So get out of it, right? Okay, and then they've got a great banner, yeah? Right, the banner of Screaming Flesh, which is Sinesh unit only. Add one to the attack characteristic of this unit's melee weapons if it made a charge move in the same turn. So again, very much like with the things we said with Corn, really good on all the units that are super outputy. If they've got multiple melee profiles, it's even better. Now, the chat have lied to me and said there's a sub-faction where you can have multiple banners. You get a free additional banner. So you always start the game with one. You could take a battalion for an enhancement. Yeah, so then you could have two. So you definitely could have Nurgle Warriors with their minus one rend, the Snesh banner as well, or the Corn banner for the plus one to wound. So the banners feel like a really great way of like buffing this army up. We haven't even got to sub-factions yet. So you've got the mark of the marks and the banners, which work in conjunction with each other, which is really cool. You can mark different units. So you could definitely have Sinesh Knights with the banner of Screaming Flesh, if you wish. And then you could have a unit of Nurgle Warriors with the eroding icon, so that minus one rent, so you could kind of mix them. The chat line to me and telling me that there's a sub-faction where you get a Fort Rally, you get Chosen's Battle Line, and you get an additional free banner, but that can't be true. But... Let's go on and look at the rest of the book. So just looking at the final battle traits for the Slaves to Darkness army, it just kind of gives you like damn legions and it tells you like what the sub-factions are going to be when we read about them in a minute. Host the Ever-Chosen, Legion of the First Prince, Despoilers, Cabalists, Ravagers, and then Knights of the Empty Throne. One of my favorites. Love that. It also gives you a couple of unique heroic actions for the army, which is great, which is the Vows of Darkness. You can carry out one of the following heroic actions with a friendly Slaves to Darkness. Same when you can do other heroic actions, right? But it has to be a Slaves to Darkness hero, okay? with the Eye of the Gods keyword, importantly. And you get two. You get Pledge to the Dark Gods, which is where you pick one friendly Slaves to Darkness hero with the Eye of the Gods keyword, and until the end of that turn, each time you roll on the Eye of the Gods table for that hero, you can roll three dice instead of two and pick any two of the dice rolled as your score, which is really good, especially if you're doing like an undivided, like... Um, combo potentially you know you buff them up like you, there's so many ways to like really like use this i think with the heroic action and then you've got draw on power which is you pick one friendly saves the darkness wizard until the end of that turn when making a casting rolls for that wizard you roll three dice instead of two however uh, if the unmodified roll on two or more of the dice is a one, the spell miscasts and the suffer uh, and the caster suffers d6 mortal wounds instead of d3. So there's a big risk versus reward. It makes your average casting like 10.5, which is great, but there's a potential that you don't cast a spell and you take d6 mortal wounds, which is pretty savage. 
it's kind of an interesting one. If you're in a clutch position where this is going to make it so that you win, I wouldn't use this all the time. But if you get yourself in a position where you're like, this is where I'm going to, like, this will help me win the game. It's time to risk it. I reckon that's going to be the heroic action for you, which is quite interesting. Uh, so, yeah, uh, cool battle traits. Uh, and then let's go look at the sub-factions. Okay, let's take a look at the very first sub-faction. It's called the Host of the Everchosen. Listen, let's do the narrative. Archeon's host marches upon the mortal realms, never faltering, never wavering. Beneath the blasphemous banners emblazoned with the Everchosen's mark, they stand united with dark purpose to see the realms raised to ruin. Okay. Like, we had to do the narrative, right? Because you've got to know what you're playing. So this is our Archeon's bros. When a host of ever-chosen ever chosen unit that is a Chaos-chosen unit, which are battle line in this, so those sweet new Chaos-chosen, a battle line in this sub-faction, Chaos Knights, Chaos Warriors, or Varangard, unit receives a rally command, you return one slain model on a four instead of a six, which is quite strong. Arguably, nonsense. Some would say, lol. Yeah? They're like, this is... If this was stonks, this is like the invention of the internet. This is big stonks. This is silly. Because we already discussed you could have like 20 Chaos Warriors that are uh, minus one to wound and ignoring rend save of one. And now we can rally them. Don't forget you can't rally in combat. It's always important to remember, you can't. In addition, he's back. I don't know where the in addition guy went. He was probably working on this book. You can pick one additional ensorcelled banner enhancement for your army. So those incredibly strong buff banners that we saw, which only apply to one unit, you can have. So you can go double banner, rally on a four up, and then you also can have Chaos Chosen as your battle line. This is this is pretty good. I just need you to know that. So let's go. Okay, so next one, Bellacor's Legion. The Legion of the First Prince. The favor of the four. Bellacor courts the favor of all the Chaos Gods to crush his foes. At the start of your hero phase, you can pick one Legion of the First Prince undivided unit, then pick one of the following marks of Chaos keywords. So Corn's Inch, Nurgle, or Snesh. That unit has the mark of Chaos until the start of your next hero phase, in addition to the undivided mark of Chaos. So... And because it lasts from the, it starts at the beginning of the hero phase till the start of your next hero phase, you effectively can have a unit with undivided, so they can roll loads of the Eye of the God stuff, which is quite cool. And in addition, they could have like minus one to wound from Nurgle or plus one attack um, from uh, uh, from Corn. So that's 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 genuinely really effective. You could even give it to Bellacor, so Bellacor can have minus one to wound or plus one attack. Um, and if you give them the Mark of Zinch keyword, you do get access to the Warp Reality spell, which at time of recording is pick a unit up anywhere on the board and teleport it back to the caster within nine inches. And then they can move afterwards. That's how it's currently written. Almost certain. Um, we've talked about it in the chat. It's worded weirdly. I definitely would love to see an FAQ on it. But right now, so that kind of opens up some interesting tech plays in the game. But the other buffs you get from those marks of Nurgle are so strong, then I'm not 100% certain it's going to be important. And then you've got the Infernal Servants special rule, which is allied blood letters, horrors of each plague bearers and demonettes. Um, uh, from the Mark of Chaos battle trait as if they have safe darkness. So basically, if you took uh, Horrors, which have the Mark of Zinch, you get a six-up spell ignore, potentially. Um, if you took Bloodletters, they get plus one attack. I don't really think you can build 
anything super strong with this. It's a huge change to the Legion of the First Prince uh, army itself. But Bellicor's in this. Bellicor's great. Bellicor's cool. Bellicor's really powerful in the game. Maybe actually really powerful in a Slave Starting's Mirror, which is quite kind of fun. Same way you've got Mega Gargants, where Mega Gargants are strong, but then there's anti-Mega Gargant builds inside the Mega Gargant book, which I think is quite funny, actually. So yeah, these are the first prints. Really interesting. Um, not sure you see it as much as the other stuff, but you may. So yeah, there we go. Okay, so the next sub-faction is the Kabbalists, and they have blasphemous rituals. The sorceress, the sorcerers, or sorceresses, whatever you want, of the Kabbalists are adept in the art of chaotic magics. Through dark ritual, they work in covens to better harness the many powers and gifts of chaos. Right, so Kabbalist heroes become wizards. If the hero is already a wizard, they can attempt, attempt to cast one additional spell in each of your hero phases and one, no one additional spell from the law of the damn spell law. Um, not really certain, someone pointed out in the chat, not really certain that this says that they get to cast a spell because normally it says you become a wizard and then can cast and unbind one spell normally, um, uh, which is pretty rough. Uh, but, like, I think that might get cleared up in an FAQ. Right. In addition, if you carry out the draw on power heroic action, which is where you can cast on 3d6, but if you roll only ones, you take d6 more wounds. Uh, with a Kabbalist hero, you can immediately carry out the same heroic action with each other Kabbalist hero within three inches. Now, you can take the Chronomantic Cogs, which is an endless spell, so you can reroll those casts, so that's going to mitigate. Uh, how likely you are to do the miscast. And then you can just keep doing this one heroic action. Don't forget, you can only do one heroic action uh, in each of your hero phases. You can do it on each multiple wizard. So you could be, potentially create like a, a spell cast bunker, um, which is really fun. If we go look at the, uh, if we go look at the spells or specifically from the spell law, there are loads of um, war scroll spells as well that we can talk about in a bit. But let's just look at the, uh, the spell law, the law of the damned. You've got a bunch of different spells. First one is binding damnation, which is, uh, cast on seven, range of 12 inches, and it applies the always strike fast, always strikes last effect to an enemy unit. You've got the spike tongue curse, which is rubbish. Uh, and then you've got the chaotic conduit, which does um, the eye of the gods rolling, which we talked about previously. Uh, then you've got ruinous vigor, uh, which is where you can have a slave starter's monster fight on the top bracket, which is going to be very good for Archeon. And then you've got demonic speed, which is um, you can charge from 18 inches. And you can roll 3d6 as opposed to like 18 inches instead of 12 inches, and you can roll 3d6 instead of 2d6 for this unit. Um, it's cast on a six and it's got a range of 12 inches. So, um, yeah, this is the always fights fast. Thank you, <laughs> which I think is good, right? So, I mean, you've got some really useful spells in there. Obviously, you also want to cast Mystic Shield because, as we talked about previously, when you've got three up armor saves, having Mystic Shield on a unit permanently is going to be very good because they just turn into a two up armor save. Uh, and I'm sure there are more spells. There's endless spells to look at, and then there's also like war scroll spells to look at. But Kabbalists, definitely your spell casting sub faction. The next one is the Despoilers, the favorite of the cursed. The legions of the Despoilers are led by the powerful demon princes. Each are an unholy champion of the Chaos Patreon. In their wake, uh, approach hordes of hideously mutated beasts drawn to the dark power of the exude. Okay. You add two wounds to the characteristics of a friendly Despoilers monster unit. There is a way to make a demon prince a monster so you can have a 14 wound demon prince. Thanks, chat. In addition, each Despoiler Demon Prince can be given a command trait in addition to your general. So you can have a general with a command trait, and then each Demon Prince you have can also have a command trait. 
which can be used if they were a general. Uh, each command trait must be different to each other. We'll look at the command traits in a bit, but there's definitely some Build-A-Bear Demon Prince stuff in here, which is quite cool. Uh, I really like that. The next sub-faction is Ravagers, and they have got Rally the Tribes, seizing the moment to prove their supremacy. One of the Horde's commanders lets loose a terrifying battle cry. Ha ha! <laughs> Calling more of their blade sworn warriors to their side. Okay, so they get to do... Um, uh, thank you, Mortnick. Uh, you get to carry out the following heroic action with a Ravager's hero. Instead of any other heroic action, you can carry out with a hero, okay? And this is Rally the Tribes. You pick a Chaos Marauder, Chaos Marauder Horseman, Cultist, or Dark Oath unit in your army that has been destroyed. If you do so, a new replacement unit with half of the number of models in that unit that was destroyed, rounding up, is added to your army. So if you had a unit of, uh, like, 20, you would have a unit of 10. Set up that unit wholly within fifteen, uh, sorry, within twelve inches of the hero carrying out this heroic action, and more than nine inches from all enemy units. Each destroyed unit can only be replaced once, and replacement units cannot themselves be replaced. So, if you've got a unit of sixty, or not sixty, unit thirty, then it's going to be fifteen, um, and then you can't then replace that unit if it gets killed, right? Uh, now. Some of the interesting bits here, in my personal opinion, uh, is that you could do some really fun stuff because you could do this heroic, heroic action in each player's turn. So I like the idea of uh, rallying the tribes in front of you as a little screen. And then you could even use that screen to then redeploy onto an objective, which is quite fun. So some really fun stuff there. Again, I'm not really sure it's as good as a front rally and an additional banner, but like has some fun tech pieces in there, which I quite enjoy. And maybe because the army could be fairly elite if you went for warriors and chosen and knights, you maybe need these smaller units to create screens, block units off, create some board presence. So that'll be really fun. Um, uh, yeah, I really like Ravages. I think that's a cool idea. Okay, one of my favorite sub-factions from the previous book makes a return in this, and it's great. Knights of the Empty Throne. Also, they got rid of the command ability, which, just for people who understand what I'm talking about, is great. Even though they kind of cleared that up in the Gargants uh, FAQ, or in the Core Rule FAQ, whichever came out recently in Battle Scroll. But anyway, it doesn't matter. Knights of the Empty Throne, Varangard. Do you like Chaos Knights, but are bigger and chunkier and more Varangardy? Then... This is what you want. The unmatched conquerors, tasked by the ever-chosen to bring ruin to the realms, the knights of the empty throne, no respite in war. I do like the idea that, um, that there, are, there are other chaos people who do no respite in war. Like the unmatched conquerors in the knights of the empty throne, no respite. The, these guys, no respite for these guys, but other guys, some mild respite, which is nice. Anyway. Knights Empty Throne units have them that have a mount can run and still charge in the same turn. So you Varangard and Chaos Knights and Chaos Marauders. Yes. Um, and then you've got the special rule Dreaded Lieutenant. So run and charge. Pretty good. Right. Um, when you pick a general for your army, if Archeon is not included in the army, you can pick a model in a friendly Varangard unit to be your general. If you do so, that unit gains the leader battlefield role. Gains the leader field battle, uh, battlefield role. In addition, if that general issues the rally command and a friendly Varangard unit receives it, you can return one slain model to that unit for each five plus instead of a six. So again, rallying these great units through a Palmer save, six wounds apiece on Varangard, like... Uh, on a five-up rally is just nuts. You can reinforce it. As a leader, you could definitely reinforce it twice. So you could have a unit of six Varangard. Now, as Toby pointed out in the chat, thanks, Toby, uh, the designer's note points out this general cannot be given a command trait as it is not a hero. So no command trait for the Varangard unit. 
which is kind of interesting. You lose a command trait for the army, but you do gain that five up ward rally. Uh, sorry, that five up rally, no ward. You get that five up rally, which is really good. Uh, you can still take an artifact on the unit, I'm pretty certain. Uh, oh no, maybe you probably cannot. I'm sure you probably can't even take an artifact, actually. Um, so yeah, Knight's Empty Throne. Pretty cool. Rally on Varangard. I quite like it. It's, uh, it's it's good. Okay, let's look at command traits. Command traits are something you have in your army. If you are building a army, you get a general, and your general gets a command trait. Normally, you can't have more than one command trait unless something says that you can have more than one command trait, like earlier on when we were talking about demon princes being able to get command traits. Example, this is Slaves to Darkness Heroes Only. This is available to Slaves to Darkness Heroes. Really easy. Okay, and you've got some pretty great ones in here. So you've got Death Dealer, which is once per battle in the combat phase, after this general has fought for the first time, you can fight again, but it's at the always strikes last step. So it's kind of like a, when you're in the combat phase for Age of Sigma, you have like the always strikes first step, you have the ongoing step, and then you have the always strikes last step. And then because there's two people playing, whoever's turn it is gets presidency or primary, sorry. So that, that kind of like makes sense if you go through the steps, but Definitely could do a flowchart and some other stuff. But the Always Strikes Last Step is good because then you get to go first in the Always Strikes Last Step because it's your turn. And then you can bang this on like a... Uh, I've said too many words for new people there. But like, you can put this on a Chaos Lord and Carcadrack, which is actually hot. Hot business. Hot business. Yeah. Great miniature. Slaps like all hell. Yeah. Gets to fight twice. We love that. Right. Uh, then you've got the Favoured of the Pantheon, which is an Eye Gods hero only. After deployment, you can roll once on the Eye of the Gods table. This is going to be pretty fun. If we go for Undivided, we go for the spell, we kill a hero or monster. We're just like Eye of the Gods, Eye of the Gods, Eye of the Gods, Eye of the Gods, which is pretty cool. I like Favoured of the Pantheon. That's really fun. Arch Sorcerer is on a wizard only. The general knows all the spells from the Law of the Damned, which is good because there's some great utility pieces inside the Law of the Damned. Uh, the Strike Fat Last spell, uh, the Run spell. Like There's some really good spells in there, the Eye of the God spell. So you've got some really good utility. So maybe uh, you're going to want to take that. Like That's pretty good. And then the other one is fantastic. So this is the Idolater Lord for the Command Trait. The general becomes a priest, which is really good because then you get access to things like curse and heal, which are generic spells. But you also get access to the spell, uh, the uh, the prayer scriptures in this book, which we'll talk about in a bit. In addition, you can choose to replace the undivided keyword on every undivided cultist unit. Now, cultist units are pretty much everything you get from the Warcry boxes. So, like you splintered, splintered fla flang, flang, flanges, the splintered, the splintered flanges, and then <laughs> the uh, the uh, iron golems, which were taken a lot previously. Uh, but some really great units, loads the horns of the horns of Hushot, etc. Yeah, love those guys, right? But all of those units have to have the same keyword, right? And there, I bet there's some really great combos in there. Uh, like Splinter Fang previously did Mortal Wounds on sixes to hit, so giving them the Mark of Corn means they get plus one attack immediately. Then obviously get all those buffs that we talked about earlier with Corn stacking on this, so you just get uh, loads and loads. There's no press scripture. I thought there was. Okay, my apologies, in which case there's not. But um, you uh, you get all these bonus attacks on these units and you just like yam them in and you just have a great time, right? Just wonderful stuff. This is great because it's a single command trait which lets you redesign your army. You could take this, you could take this in a sub-faction which lets you uh, regenerate uh, like, and recycle slain cultist units. It's very cool, especially because the miniatures for that range are really fun. I don't necessarily think it's going to be as strong as like three up armor save units rallying, but I still think that it's going to be really cool and you can build some really great armies with it, which is the point of why we play the game. 
Okay, we're going to talk about the Demon Prince now, and specifically, um, specifically the Safe to Darkness Demon Prince command traits, and they are spicy because the Demon Prince is spicy. Okay, really good stuff. So this is on the Demon Prince, Slave to Darkness Demon Prince. Not to be denied, in, uh, this is the first command trait. In each hero phase, so that's if he's your general. Uh, in each hero phase, once you have carried out a heroic action, if you did not carry out the heroic action with this general, you can carry out an additional heroic action with this general. Um, so it basically means you can do two heroic actions, which normally you can't do, uh, which is good. So someone else does like, let's say, Finest Hour, and then he can do a heroic action. Also means if you play Ravages, as being pointed out by my uh, lovely friend Jacob in the chat, then you can always have a character who's recycling uh, those kind of um, those cultish units if you play Ravagers, whereas uh, your Demon Prince can be doing something else as a heroic action, which is quite good. Quite like that one. That's quite a good one. Another one is Bolstered by Chaos. Plus two wounds um, to a General's Wounds characteristic. In addition, it becomes a monster, which means you get access to monstrous actions like Raw, which turns off your opponent's command... Uh, um, yeah, your opponent's ability to receive command abilities like in the combat phase. So quite like that. That's pretty good. Radiance of Dark Glory is a really good one. Is at the start of the hero phase, roll a dice for each friendly model within nine inches of this general if it has any wounds allocated to it. On a three plus, you can heal one wound from the model being rolled for. If the model being rolled for is a monster, then you heal three. So you can just babysit Archeon or some of your other monster characters knocking around or even a couple of demon princes and then just keep adding... Oh, demon princes aren't monsters inherently. So just monsters. Uh, Slaughter Brutes. Uh, Quinn in the chat was saying, terrible choice, in my opinion. Um, uh, like, And then we've got Diabolic Majesty. Uh, this is good. This is good. Like, You can really see this happening. And you've got Diabolic Majesty, which is undivided only. Once per battle, when you carry, carry out a heroic action with this general, you can carry out any one of the heroic actions on its war scroll, uh, even if it not has the even if it does not have the keyword it needs. Okay, this is where we get to look at the uh, the demon prince and the demon prince, which rocks in at one hundred and ninety five points, is an absolute steal. Uh, so let's go look at the the demon prince. Let's just double check and make sure they got got that right. One hundred and ninety five points, crazy. Moves eight inches unless you give them wings. So you can either have wings or the trophy rack, okay? So eight inches if it's the trophy rack, 12 inches if it's the wings. Either way, it's got 10 wounds with a three up armor save and it's bravery 10, which means it's gonna be able to heroic, recover, heroic recovery really well, right? Now, uh, it's pretty good in a fight. It's got five attacks uh, that's red two, damage two. Uh, if it's got the axe, if it's got the sword, it's got five attacks uh, that are red one, damage D3. If it does have the sword, any sixes to hit are going to be D3 mortal wounds. And then uh, that's not in addition, so it just stops there. And then it's got malefic talons with eight attacks, threes and threes, no rend, but damage two. It's got a six up ward save, which is great. Now, if you don't take the wings and you take the slower version at eight inches, you get the trophy rack. And if this unit has a trophy rack, you do not take battleshot tests for friendly units wholly within nine inches. In addition, each time an enemy hero or monster is destroyed by this unit, you increase this range by three inches. This is really good if you're running, let's say, cultist units in Slaves of Darkness, and also really good if you were going to ally him in to Beasts of Chaos. It's friendly units. There's lots and lots of units in the game that can really benefit. You can take uh, Slaves of Darkness as allies in most chaos forces. I don't think you can escape it. So that um, immune to battleshot bubble might become really important and might have just elevated it up to being one of the better uh, allies that you could get at the moment. 
six at ward, like I talked about, and then you've got the Immortal Champion, right? Which is a really cool ability to do a unique heroic action. And this is where we're going to talk about Enslaved to Darkness and as an ally. Enslaved to Darkness, obviously, you can give them any keyword that you want. Like, you can give them um, uh, Undivided, Corn, or whatever. And in fact, if you go for Legion of the First Prince, you could be one of these, and you could decide to be one of the other keywords in addition. So you could potentially do one or two. Uh, you can't do two, but you could do one or the other of these heroic actions. So what do they do? All right, let's not blow the lead. The Nurgle one is crazy, okay? So if you're playing Maggot Kid of Nurgle, this guy's an auto including in your army because you've got a Rodin Miasma, uh, which is a Nurgle Demon Prince only, and until the end of the turn, ward rolls cannot be made for enemy units while they're within three inches of this unit. So move this guy forward, do your heroic action. You don't even have to roll a dice to make sure it happens. So like, it's not a two up or something. It just is auto. Your opponent can't stop you. Charge them in. No ward saves for them. Absolutely amazing. Uh, if you're playing as a Nurgle army. Also great in the Slaves of Darkness army. Absolutely crazy in the Slaves of Darkness army. Because as we already discussed, you get loads of attacks. Good rend. So then those ward saves are looking to stop the damage. There we go. If you're doing corn, you get to add one to the... Um, uh, until the end of the turn, each time an enemy model is slain by wounds allocated from attacks made by this unit, heal one wound allocated to this unit, which is okay, not that good. Uh, if you go for Zinch, and you ally them into a Zinch force, for instance, uh, you roll a dice each time a spell targets this unit, you get a two-up spell ignore, and if it's your hero phase, that unit can attempt to cast one spell from the Law of the Damned in the same manner as a wizard, and if this unit is already a wizard, you get to cast an additional spell. It's okay. Um, and then uh, you got Sinesh, which is, uh, if you've got a Sinesh keyword, if this unit makes a charge move this turn, add one of the attack characters this unit's melee weapons until the end of that turn. Um, so, pretty good. Like, they're all interesting as allies, especially if you go for the trophy rack, so you're, you've got an immune to Battleshock aura around the Demon Prince, which is quite good, very useful for some armies. He comes in at a very competitive 195 points, which is great. Uh, the command traits you can take in Slaves of Darkness are really fun, and then the marks you can give them really change it up, but it really has to be that Nurgle, uh, no ward save mark that's going to be very clutch, I think, in a lot of matchups, and you really might see the Demon Prince um, come into effect here in in the game. Okay, so looking at the artifacts that you can take. Now, normally you can only have one artifact per army, but there are battalions you can take to have more artifacts. There are ways to get more artifacts, basically. Uh, but normally they're still fairly limited. Um, there are three for just Demon Princes, seeing as we just talked about Demon Princes. You've got the Strike First effect applies to the bearer with the helm of many eyes. And then you've got the Doombringer Blade, which is plus one to wound against enemy in hero, uh, enemy heroes and monsters um, by uh, friendly units that target that unit. It's at the start of the first battle round after setup is complete, but before the first turn begins, you pick one enemy hero or enemy monster on the battlefield, and you get plus one to wound. So your whole army is going to get plus one to wound against it. So great if you're playing against Nagash, or Archeon, or Lariel, or any of those big, like, monsters that really define the meta, Slaughter Brutes, Charybdises, you know the like. Uh, so that's a pretty good one. It's a good artifact, uh, especially as it buffs your whole army. That's nuts. Nuts. And then you've got the Realm Warper's Twist Rune, which is once per battle in your hero phase, you can pick one terrain feature within 12 inches of bearer, roll a dice for each model within one inch of that terrain feature. For each six, the model su unit suffers one mortal wound. In addition, the terrain uh, blocks on a site like a wildwood. Yes, yes, you'll be able to finally get plus one to wound against the Saigor, which we've been, we've been needing for a long time. 
so the Doombringer Blade sounds really good. The Helm of Many Eyes seems really good as well. Strike first. I actually really like the Doombringer Blade. Quite good. Uh, will it replace an Arcane Tome? I doubt it. There we go. But yeah, plus one to wound is, is great. Okay, so looking at the kind of generic Slaves of Darkness uh, artifacts that you can take, the Trophies of Conquest. Don't forget these can also go on Demon Princes. So you've got the Hellfire Sword, which is going to do damage equal, so mortal wounds equal to your damage profile on one melee weapon on the to wound roll of a six. That's fine. But the Helm of the Oppressor and the Conqueror's Crown feel like real standouts. The Helm of the Oppressor lets enemy units, enemy units cannot receive inspiring presence and rally commands while within six inches of the bearer. This is huge. This basically means you've got Horogast, but also stops Rally, which is really important because it shuts down enemy army's ability to summon stuff back. It's great in the mirror into Slaves of Darkness, great into Beast of Chaos, great into Daughters of Cain, where you've got four-up rallies available. That's really good. And then you've got the Conqueror's Crown. Enemy models with a wounds characteristic of one or two that are within six inches of the bearer uh, cannot contest objectives. So, and enemy models with a wound. So it's enemy models, not enemy units. So that's good. Uh, with a wounds characteristic of one or two that are within 16 of the barrel, which is fairly close. But this feels like, you know, you've got your Nurgle Demon Prince already. Like you've made him a monster if you wanted to uh, with plus two wounds. So he's a little bit more survivable. Uh, then he's obviously the Mark of Nurgle, so he's minus one to wound. He's near the banner, like Jacob was saying in the chat. Uh, so the, the Nurgle banner, so reduces Ren by one. Uh, so he's that three up armor save. Um, is reducing Ren by one into that. It's got 12 wounds. Is a monster, so he's going to do raw, so you can't do like uh, all-out attack and stuff. Then you can't contest objectives. It's just nuts. And these are trophies, so you can have more than one of these. So if you wanted to, you could just have another Slave to Darkness hero that's also got the Helm of the Oppressor. It's really good. Like They're great, great artifacts of power. Like... Like and, and like and they kind of change how you play the game. Like they're great into matchups, great for team format Warhammer because each one is going to be better into different armies as well. Um, just very very good stuff in my personal opinion. Okay, so the final artifacts that we're looking at are the Chaos Esoterica, and these are for Slaves to Darkness Wizard heroes only. You got a Chaos Familiar, which is once per battle at the start of your hero phase, you can say the bearer will call upon the Chaos Familiar. And if you do so, the bearer can attempt to cast one additional spell in that hero phase, and that spell can be from uh, the Law of the Damned. Okay? Now, the Infernal Puppet is a great, great artifact, which if the other previous two weren't so incredible, then you would definitely see this more. And you may still see it, but like it's a little bit situational, but I reckon pretty good. Um, in some situations. like like So you've got uh, once per battle at the start of the enemy hero phase, you can pick one enemy wizard within 24 inches of the bearer and visible to them. Until the end of the phase, each time that wizard attempts to cast a spell, they suffer D3 mortal wounds before casting roll is made. If the wizard is slain by these mortal wounds, uh, the casting attempt fails. So like obviously good into multi-casters like Nagash and other casters, which is really cool. Not as effective as the ones previously because that affects the whole game, but a fun little one, and I really like it. Um, and then you've got the Helm of Eldritch Command. When the bearer attempts to dispel an endless spell, if you unbind it, you basically get to control the endless spell. That's what you do. Um, and then if they unbind the endless spell, then you don't get to do it again. But I like that. I think that's really fun. Like, steal their endless spells is something I really enjoy doing. And I think that's a really fun one, um, which they're not going to expect. You unbind it, and then you control it 
which is super cool. So you can turn you can um, you can turn the tables on them, uh, and I think that's really good. I love that the helm of Eldritch Command. So. Like, overall, as a review, command traits and artifacts for this book is pretty incredible. Like, there are a load of options on how you're going to build this army. Already, the sub-factions are already great. The marks of corn are really great. Sorry, the marks of chaos are really great. The artifacts, the sub-factions, like, there is so much. Sure, absolutely sure, some of the units are particularly good, so you're probably going to pair into them really nicely. And some of them are very strong. But there's going to be a load of different armies built out of this, and it's really interesting. Great stuff. You also get access to some core battalions, which are unique to the Saves of Darkness ones, and they're actually pretty spicy, worth talking about, I think. You've got the Chaos Warband and the Overlords of Chaos. The Chaos Warband, uh, you mandatory, you need a Slaves of Darkness leader, um, and that could be any leader, which feels like it might be that Nurgle Demon Prince, but some people probably don't agree, but a Slaves of Darkness leader. And then uh, you have to have one, two, three, four, and don't forget you always need three battle lines, so... It's not that big a stretch to be able to do that. And you have an optional four of Slaves of Darkness units that are not a leader, a behemoth, or a Varangard unit. So these could be cultists, these could be Chaos Warriors, these could be Chaos Knights. Um, and then you've got the option of taking a Chaos War, uh, sorry, a Slaves of Darkness behemoth if you want, which will probably be a War Shrine uh, in here. And then you get access to either a one drop battalion, which is incredibly good in the game, or Slayers, which is once per battle, one unit of battalion can receive the all out attack or unleash hell. So. I think this is good. Um, so, yeah, you could do this if you, like like um, uh, Moon Tyranny is saying in the chat, maybe you are going to do uh, a, a battle regiment and then this will be your second one to get it to a two drop because then you don't need to have quite as many heroes, which is good. I mean, I think you could just take this anyway, right? Um, I personally think it's good. I think having a unified army, but only allows you access to one hero, which is pretty limiting. Pretty limiting. Now you've got Overlords of Chaos, which is just a, uh, a minimum requirement of three Varangard units, and then you can have three optional Varangard units. And again, this gives you access to a one-drop. So some armies, other than outside of our uh, battle regiment, don't have the access to the ability to do a one-drop battalion. This is where you build your armies and you can make them so that they're lower drops or they can get some bonuses, if you're new, by the way, uh, when you're building uh, battle regiment, uh, when you're building battalions. Uh, there are battalions found in the core book and then there are battalions found in the GHB or the, the General's Handbook. And then there's also access to um, battalions in your army book. So they're there. And having access to two different one-drop battalions is just great for the game, great for this particular uh, army. Obviously, when you um, when you build a safe start army, you gain access to grand strategies, which is the three points that you'll score at the end of a game uh, to see how many victory points you got, and the battle tactics, which you choose at the beginning of each of your turns and you complete at the end of your turn. And these are specific to slaves of darkness. There's some interesting ones all around here. Me personally, I think tournaments shouldn't allow grand strategies or battle tactics from core books because they just are added easy bonuses. Some of them, like one of them is just three units charge and you get two victory points. I mean, I don't really see that as being particularly difficult. Enthralled to Chaos is one where you just kill some units and you take them off of an objective. That's fine as well. There's, as Jacob said in the chat, there are two or three that are very achievable, which really adds to how many things that you have when you're playing a game in a tournament or even a casual game in the GHB. I like the GHB because it really condenses down what you're able to achieve. In this, you can just get bonus two points here and there for just doing things that seem very simple. But either way, what's nice for the Safe of Darkness players like you, if you're playing in tournaments where they don't ban them, I always ban them, then 
um, you've got access to two or three more achievable uh, battle tactics, some of them which are just literally replicating some of the ones from the core book or the GHB that currently exists, so that you can just do one one turn and then the other one the following turn. So it's quite nice for 4VP. And seeing as your primary game with his Slaves to Darkness, i.e. holding objectives, is incredibly strong thanks to... Uh, thanks to artifacts and also the units that you can take, then this is a great book for scoring points. I can see this being very effective on the primary. A good, a good example would be Mega Gargants. They're really great on the primary, but they do struggle a lot with battle tactics, especially if you use the Galician Veterans Battle Pack, which is the one that's in effect at time of recording. Um, so they can struggle on secondaries, whereas some armies are really good on secondaries, but really struggle on primary because they're not a very forward-moving army. I'm thinking about things like Cities of Sigmar as an example. Um, they're not able to necessarily move up the board uh, overly well because they're a castle army. Lumineth, kind of the same, but not quite, because they've got things like the Law Seeker. But either way, there's always kind of a, a, a sliding scale for two different for armies on how effective they are on those two different ways to win. And uh, Slaves of Darkness, uh, right at the top end on both of those two things. So it's great if you want to get into this army. Okay, now we're going to start looking at the War Scrolls and, I mean the lord of the end times himself, Archeon the Everchosen. So this is kind of like, um, this is like the faction leader. If you like play Total War for something, this is your heroic lord. This is Archeon. Uh, they're blessed by four gods, Archeon. Yet, um, he is slave to none of them, although it's a slave to darkness or whatever. Okay, so some changes from previous. Archeon's gone up to 25 wounds. He's got a three-up base save, and then he moves 14 inches, and he brackets when he takes 10 wounds. All monsters bracket after they've taken a certain amount of wounds. 25 wounds is amazing. He's got three up armor save and um, he has the armor of Morkar, which just gives him a five up ward save. It used to be like a five up ward save against mortals. Now it's just a five up ward save. And anytime he rolls a six on that save, he's going to dish a mortal wound back to a unit within three inches. And he's so good, man. He's a two cast wizard who's very survivable. I would say that he's more on the survivable side than he is on the fighty side, as in his output. But that doesn't mean that you can't make him absolutely wrecking ball opposing armies. And we'll talk about that as well. He's got the Warmaster ability, so he's always going to be counted as the general, which means he's got an 18-inch aura for doing command abilities, which is important. Can cast two spells and unbind two spells, which is really great, because we know there's loads of really important spells. I think... Fight last on Archeon's a pretty good spell maybe to take. Uh, maybe like maybe like run and charge. Like this, there's, there's some really good spells from the spell law that you could take on him. Um, I quite like those. That's quite good. Uh, so yeah, five up ward as I discussed. Now he's also got a command ability on his wall scroll, which is I my will. This is a command ability that you can be used at the start of the combat phase. You pick another friendly chaos unit, chaos unit to receive this. It cannot be Archeon himself. Okay. Until the end of that phase, each time a model on that receiving unit is slain, it can fight. <sighs> like There's so many units that you're going to want to units on. Don't forget there's a core rule that a unit cannot fight more than twice in a combat phase. So we talked about how Chosen can fight, um, or Chosen can fight twice once per battle. Varangard couldn't fight twice once per battle. So you won't be able to put this on a unit and then kind of like fight and then die and fight and then fight again at the end and all that other stuff. Even though they'd be different models, you still can't do it. A unit can't fight twice more um, more than twice in a combat phase. Super important to know, just in case you like you try and big brain it. Okay, but this is great on other units, right? Chaos warriors, like as they die, fighting and going in. This is also really cool because you can decide to like take some damage from one unit. It, let's say you take a really fragile cultish unit that has loads of extra attacks and 
um, like he's going to die. But you could just be like, cool, that's going to die, but they're still going to get to fight. And instead, I'm going to strike over here and then fight. And it's just, it, it's a great ability. Really, really good. Um, yeah, he is the darkness. <laughs> right, he's also got the crown of domination. Enemy units cannot receive rally and inspiring presence commands while within 12 inches of this unit. Archeon's 860 points. So he's going to be a wrecking ball that just pounds into the enemy army. You can't, don't really have enough points left to just kind of be like, I'm going to keep him at the back of the board as like a buff piece. This guy's going to be right in the mix. And his survivability means that he's going to be very like, like you, you don't mind throwing him forward, especially with all the buffs you can give him. But this means, like, so this is really good. So the crown of domination is massive. Like, can't receive rally is great because he's now an anti-slaves to darkness tech piece, which is amazing because they've obviously got that four-up rally. All of the other armies also have a four-up rally as well. And then also stops inspiring presence. Games Workshop seem to be doing this at the minute where they give rally out to people and then they're like, but also no rally. So there's that kind of like, uh, those checkers and che no, chess, chess, whatever, rock, paper, scissors, that's the one I mean, right? So... That's something really, really interesting to think about that if you build an army around the rally, someone puts the same Slaves of Darkness army down, but then does this, it just shuts you down. It's very clever. It's very cool. Uh, he's also got the Everchosen ability, which is each time his unit is affected by an endless spell or a spell on a four-up, he gets the ignore. So a four-up spell ignore and a five-up flat ward on 25 wounds is brilliant. Uh, let's also talk about survivability for a little moment as well. Um, also, if you bring a priest along, you can obviously heal him. He's got heroic action, so uh, to heal, which is one of the core heroic actions as well. There's, as we talked about earlier, one of the artifacts you can take for demon princes, which is maybe also a flat three heal because he's a monster. And then he's also got a monster's action on his own war scroll, which we'll talk about in a minute, but he's also another heal. So not only is he very survivable, he doesn't necessarily... He's super survivable. He doesn't also necessarily have to like like that's it like once 25 wounds are out he's gone he could heal up crazy amounts like i think just on some rough maths something like 10 wounds could be something he comfortably does in a turn because he could potentially get five back from his own monstrous action so very survivable Okay, then he's got the Eye of Shireen, or the Eye of Ed Sheeran, as we call it, right? Which is once per battle, at the start of your hero phase, if Archeon is in the Slaves to Darkness army, uh, you command on the battlefield, you can say he will consult the Eye of uh, Shireen, uh, the Eye of Ed Sheeran. And if you do so, you roll a dice. Okay, so it's real simple. One, two, three, your opponent's going to get the next uh, turn. Um, like the, at the start of the next battle round, they get the priority. But on a four, five, six, you do. Now, when you use this, this is going to be incredibly pivotal. It's in the start of your hero phase. Um, so you can, on the turn one, give them the turn, have the turn yourself. Uh, so turn, so that'll be like the second turn in a battle round. And then you can activate this. So then you can be like, okay, I know they're going to get the next turn. I'm going to be very conservative with my movements. And then they're going to have the turn. Okay. This is like very, very interesting. When you use it, loads of people in the chat are like, it's going to be a turn two, th going going from turn two into turn three sort of a situation. It's always going to depend on the army you play, the army you're playing against, and all those other jazzes. But like, this is super powerful. Archeon is a piece. He is definitely going to see play and just really fantastic in what he brings to the table. And this is just another 
really, really strong mechanic. Very, very strong. He's also got the Favoured Warlord, which is, if this unit is part of Slave Starless Army, after the players have received the starting command points, but before the start of the first turn, you can pick one of the following marks. In addition to the undivided. Now, he doesn't have the Eye of the Gods table because when you have Eye of the Gods, it has to be non-unique characters. So super important to talk about. Uh, and then you've got Korn, Zinch, Nurgle, and Slanesh. Now, there's some kind of interesting combos. Nurgle is an obvious one because it's minus one to be wounded. So now he's on a three-up armor save with all-out defense, Mystic Shield, and... Um, Finest Hour. This guy will be on a two-up armor save, ignoring Ren 2. If he's near the banner of Nurgle, and they're trying to attack Archeon, they're gonna be, he's going to be ignoring Ren 3 on a two-up armor save. If any of those wounds get through, a five-up ward, with the ability to heal quite a lot. Okay, You could then go the other way and be like, none of that for me. Mark of Corn, plus one attack on all the profiles, Blood Secretor in, uh, like uh, some endless spells, all of the other nonsense get five or six attacks on his melee profile and just smash stuff, which is kind of a nice build as well. And maybe also plays really nicely into the tech um, of being anti anti safe to darkness. But he does have a bit of a problem, I think, from a melee profile standpoint, in that he's got some great attacks. He's got the Slayer of Kings, which is four attacks. Twos and threes, Ren 2, damage three. The important part here is that he's got the Slayer of Kings ability. If you do get two wounds through and you're targeting a, targeting a hero then two sixes to wound on the Slayer of Kings will auto-slay that hero. Uh, and that's always been that. It's super fun. Throw him into tech list, two sixes to wound, yeet him off the board, right? Absolutely love that. But it's Ren 2. In this game, like, Ren th like ignoring Ren 3, like, well, not ignoring Ren 3, but getting plus three to your save is pretty good. And as my friend Jacob in the chat is saying, you can get up to nine attacks on the Slayer of Kings if you wanted to, right? Because you could go corn and get all the buffs on, right? You can go crazy. But Ren 2 is okay. Like, if you just think about it into the Nurgle matchup that we just talked about with the Nurgle banner, already you're going to be ignoring Ren 1, okay? If you're playing against your Metrica Lumina Throne Lords, you're ignoring all of that rent. All of it. If you're playing against Nighthorn, you're ignoring all of that rent, okay? Nighthorn's a little bit, like, like whatever, but like some of it, you're you're ignoring the rent, and you're on a three up or a two up armor save. Uh, then he's got two attacks with a monstrous course, which are damage five, which is excellent. Again, if you go for corn, you start stacking attacks on top of that. If you get four or five monstrous core attacks, that's twenty five damage with that, which is great. Lashing tail attacks is two d six attacks, fours and threes, no rend, and then chimeric heads starts at six attacks, which is rend one and damage two. Now there are some units that don't have a lot of armor save that he'll do absolutely great into. He's definitely more survivable than he is outputy, but you can definitely build him as being very very outputy. Um, and those are just with the marks. Obviously, you could give him Sinesh if you wanted to. And because you choose it at the start of the battle, after the command points have been dished out, you can just be like, do you know what? I'm just gonna go for the I'm just gonna go for Sinesh. I'm just gonna run and charge. That's what I'm gonna go for. And then he stays as Sinesh for the rest of the battle, but you probably at that point have already spent points on buffing him. So if you go in the corn route, it's probably you're probably gonna pivot less. But if you're doing Nurgle and Sinesh, maybe you pivot a little bit more. Um and there's even maybe some options with Zinch and teleport him out. Um kind of interesting. Kind of interesting. Uh and then the final bit is a three-headed titan. So he's got three heads, and each one of them can do 
a monstrous action, but you can only do one monstrous action. So they've, there are three different monstrous actions available, one from each head, but you can only do one, obviously. Uh, and those are uh, Spilth Viewer... Uh, uh, Filth Spewer, which is uh, you roll um, a number of dice up to seven uh, for a unit within six inches on a three up. This stuff from Mortal Wound. This is fine, but probably not one you, you use. Skull Gorger is you roll a dice. Uh, you pick a model um, within three inches. So you pick one, which is important because you can pop a model out of a unit, break coherency, and when a unit's not coherent at the end of the turn, you have to take models away until they're coherent. You can do some really fun stuff with that. Basically, you roll dice. If you roll above the wounds characteristic of that model, it's slain, and then you heal that many wounds. Obviously, the max you can roll is a six. So if you do roll a if you do roll a six, you can kill a five wound model, right? You could do a five wound model, um, and then uh, you could heal five. Heroic recovery is another three. Um, heal from a priest is another three. So now we're up to eleven, <laughs> and then you can have the demon prince ability, so you can heal fourteen. Like I think you can max out at fourteen for a heal. Which is, uh, uh, sorry, uh, yes, sorry. The um, uh, the Nurgle head is mortal wounds per model in the unit, but it is up to a maximum of seven. So even if you roll thirty dice, you can only well you can't roll thirty dice. You go up to a maximum of seven, and then on a three up, they suffer a mortal wound, right? Um, which is pretty good. Um, and then uh, Spell Eater, which is pick one endless spell within 12 inches of this unit, or roll a dice on two up, that endless spell is dispelled, and the caster is on the battlefield, they suffer D3 mortal wounds. Particularly good if you're trying to kill that caster at the back of the board, uh, and you've done some chip damage to it. I'm not really sure what you would do chip damage with in uh, this book. This book, is a, this, this book is a full frontal hammer in the face. There's no, there's no flank attacks, there's no like ninjas, no one's hidden in the shadows. This is just a raging bull running forward and just swinging at you in my personal opinion um yeah this is just big power but it's um but yeah so archeon that's everything for archeon now there are also spells you uh, sorry prayers you can do and spells you can do to buff archeon so i hope you see that he's like a very powerful control piece he makes your army better instinctively he makes your opposing armies worse um, with a crown of domination. He can cast spells. He can fight well or survive well. Um, he's a monster. He's going to do monstrous actions. A very, very interesting piece, in my personal opinion. I think you can see lots of Archeons in different builds. And then you can see safe starts armies that don't use them as well. So overall, I think a bit of a hit with Archeon. Um, like, well done to them. Okay, so if you're not an Archeon fanboy and you want to switch it up for the man that cannot be tamed, Belakor, the Dark Master, the Demon Prince, the first Demon Prince, <laughs> has got 14 wounds of 4-up save and brings something very unique to the Saves the Darkness faction, but also is probably one of the best allies for anyone ever. Celestine Prime, Belakor, about... About like they're, they're very good. Bellacore brings something super unique and is really powerful in the Slave Startless Force and also when you ally them in. So I would always pick up a Bellacore if you've got the opp opportunity to. So Bellacore has got 40 wounds on a 4-up save and that 4-up save is unrendable. So you can't apply any positive or negative modifiers to Bellacore. So no plus one saves, no minus one saves. It's just a 4-up save on 14 wounds. Okay? Uh, he moves 14 inches, obviously brackets, goes down to 12, 10, and 8. And he's pretty good in combat. Like, he's, he's got 8 attacks with the Shadow 
Blade, uh, which is threes and threes, Ren 2, damage 2. It's got um, the Foe Claw, which is one attack, threes and threes, Ren 1, damage 2. And the Spear and Tail, uh, which is one attack, twos, ones, for some reason, minus 3, Ren 2. He's fighty, but that's not really... There was a change when Bellicor's new model came out uh, a couple of years ago. Uh, there was a big conversation about, like, he used to be a lot cheaper because everyone only wanted him for his Dark Master ability. So you just want to put him in a corner, do the Dark Mastery ability, and then you just didn't want to pay any more points. Now you've got a legitimate combat monster who's also a two-cast wizard, like a Lord of Change, not triggered at all. Like a two-cast wizard who's got a great spell and has got a great ability. And that great ability is Dark Master. This is what makes him one of the best allies in the game. And this is once per battle at the start of the enemy hero phase, you pick an enemy unit and it's board wide on the battlefield until your next hero phase at the start of each phase including the phase in which that unit was picked, you can roll a dice for that unit. On a 3+, that unit cannot move, shoot, fight, use command abilities, champ prayers, attempt to cast spells, attempt to unbind other spells, etc., until the start of your next hero phase. So the way that you really want this to work, and Bellacore, by the way, is 365 points, 355 points, so uh, basically four units of Spider Riders, that's how we, we track it. Why this ability is so good is, uh, let's say in a battle round, the safe darkness person and you, as with your Bellicor, go first. In their turn, so when they go second, you just go, right, start the hero phase. I'm going to pick your your Archeon. I'm going to pick your Archeon. That's what I'm going to do. And they'll be like, okay. And then you roll three up. They can't cast any spells. They can't do any command abilities. can't do anything. You're like, okay. Okay, then in the hero phase, three up, can't move. Uh, but let's say they, they, do, they do their move. Okay, three up, you can't charge. Three up, you can't fight. And then they you win the priority roll, you just give them turn, you give them the next turn. You just do it again and again and again and again. And then it'll end then. So it can happen over two turns. It's an effective ability against what we call Death Stars. It's one of the reasons that we're able to mitigate Death Stars in Age of Sigma so well is because of this Dark Mastery ability. You can also find this ability uh, on a Sonari Cathalar. I think, uh, from the Luminath Realm Lords. Uh, and he's actually, you could do it even more than once per battle, which is super strong. It's a great ability, and I would be hard-pressed to not find a reason for 355 points to put this into my Slaves to Darkness Force. Um, but it's great. He's also got an unrendable save. If enemy units fail battle shot test while within 12 inches, uh, they take D3 wounds. Um, and he's got the Enfeeble Foe spell, which is you pick an enemy unit within 18 inches, which is a pretty big spell range nowadays. Lots of spells have started to be reduced to 12 inches. So 18 inches. And it's cast on 6, so it's below 7, which is the average. So you're more likely to cast it. And then that unit is minus 1 to wound. Now, sure, you're probably going to have some units that... You'd have some Nurgle units in your army who are already minus one to be wounded. But maybe your, your opponent has got some pluses to wound. Or maybe you've got a corn unit that's really fighty, and then you just target an enemy unit, and you make them minus one to wound, uh, so that, that you, your corn unit now is effectively a Nurgle unit and has got all the attacks out. It's a great ability. Bellicor's, um, uh, like Bellicor's great. Bellicor's a super cheap model, really, for what it brings to the table. It's a monster. The only thing I'd say about Bellicor is the lack of a ward save does make him fairly susceptible to being a pincushion. He's basically got a four-up invulnerable... Well, he's got a four-up unrendable save, so that is a toughie uh, to get past, but you could just fail loads of four-ups or just make loads of four-ups. A bit of a night haunt situation. Uh, and then uh, the cool thing with him is in the Legion of the First Prince, thank you to Swaggy in the chat, he can get a different mark, right? 
So you can, and we talked about this earlier on when we were talking about the mark. So if you wanted to, you could give him the mark of corn so he get plus one attack on all his profile, or give him the mark of Nurgle so that he's minus one to be wounded, make him a little bit more survivable. But the lack of a ward does make him a little bit squishy, but he's cheap. He's very cheap. He's very cheap. So Bellacor's great. Uh, great Warscroft. Okay, the next unit we're going to look at is Eternus, the Blade of the First Prince. So he's been sworn to Bellacor. He's like a Chaos Lord who was sworn to Bellacor and has been granted immortality. Eternus rides at the head of the First Prince's legions, crushing those who oppose him, etc., etc. So like he's a Chaos Lord who has the ability to come back to life, which is quite fun. He's got some attacks. He's got nine wounds on a three-up armor save, so he is survivable, which is great, and moves 10 inches, which is fast enough. His attack profile is okay with five attacks at Ren 2 doing damage 2 and six attacks at Ren 1 doing damage 1, but, like, he's not, like, a slappy character. Like, Games Workshop really struggles in some ways to write duelist characters. I've talked about this a lot. There's some really great duelist characters. The Light of Altharian is a really good example. Sigvald's another great example of, of duelist characters, but Eternus, who you feel like should be a duelist character, is okay. Um, uh, he has the undivided keyword, obviously, because he is uh, uh, sworn to Bellacor, uh, effectively. So you, you, I don't think you give him any other marks uh, as is. Uh, so then his special abilities are uh, the Blade of the First Prince, which he gets strike first. Um, and then he's got a network of spies. And at the start of the hero phase, if he's near any Chaos Legionnaires or Furies, you gain an additional command point uh, to a maximum of one. So you only get one. However... However, quite a cool thing. He's also a unique character as well. So no command traits, no artifacts, which means you don't really get some of those cool command traits and artifacts that we already talked about, which would buff the army. Um, uh, the other thing is uh, when you take when you do play Legion of the First Prince sub-faction, the Furies are going to be your battle line. Uh, well, can be your battle line if you want them to be, right? Um, and then, but he does have the veins of black lightning, uh, which is his ability to come back to life because he's immortal. At the end of your movement phase, if this unit has been slain, roll 2d6 and add one to the roll if Bellacor is in your army. On an 8 plus, you can set this unit up anywhere on the battlefield more than 9 inches from all enemy units with all wounds allocated to it removed. Now, this kind of plays a bit like Scar Bloodwrath does from Corn, where he dies and comes back. I die, I live, I die again, um, as he wit shouts, shoutness, shouts witness me but uh, uh, unfortunately for Eternus he's quite survivable so like you kind of want him to die so you can teleport him somewhere really fun but like he's quite good at surviving because he's got a three up save so I'm not sure uh, I'm not sure about Eternus personally uh, probably a great cool model and also very fun like if you're building a safe start army, you just want it to be fun with your friends at home. He's very thematic. He's got some really cool uh, rules to do that fun stuff with. And that's what you want to do. So, yeah, cool. Our next unit is kind of the buff piece of the army. So we're talking about this next because uh, when we look at some of those other units, you're going to think, well, okay, I can also buff them. So you've got the Market Chaos, you've got the Sub-Faction, uh, you've got the Banners, you've got the Spells, you've got the Prayers, and now you've got another form of a lot of Prayers all coming from the Chaos War Shrine. Chaos War Shrine is 185 points. It's got 14 wounds and a 4-up save. And it used to be very common in, in um, Saves to Darkness armies because you could get rerolls to hit, rerolls to wound, you get rerolls saves. Um, it's changed up a little bit but actually really great and a good utility piece the real question is will you have enough units on the board after you've put all your buff pieces in so how if it's going to make it into the army not quite sure in melee it's kind of okay like it's not super survivable 14 wounds on a four up save uh like 
but um, it is going to have four attacks that threes and threes rend one damage two, and six attacks with the fists, fours and threes rend one damage two. But it's not really there to fight, but sometimes it can do a little bit of damage occasionally. What it's there to do is uh, do its prayers. And it's got a ward save bubble as well. So it starts out at 18 inches while it's not been wounded, and all slaves of darkness wholly within 18 at the start are going to have a six up ward save. So even more ward saves, even more protection on this army, which is really good. Um, uh, so then you've also got uh, prayers, and you've got different prayers that can affect different units of different marks, basically. Um, Warshrine will also, also always be useful, thank you, Jacob, uh, because of Curse, which is one of the core endless spell, uh, one of the core prayers, sorry, or Heal, which is one of the core prayers as well, which are really effective. Um, okay, so... Let's talk about what the different prayers are. So if you do, uh, they're all, they all happen on a three up, uh, okay? And the prayer that you can do on undivided units is that you half the number of units that run away from Battleshock, whatever, don't care about that. The corn prayer is plus one to charge, which is actually okay, like, but again, whatever. Um, and then if you're bringing a buff piece for corn, you're definitely not going to bring the War Shrine for that. Uh, the um, Zinch one is quite interesting, uh, where you are, uh, you get, you're going to be minus one to wound. So a Zinch unit is going to be minus one to wound. Actually, makes it quite a nice ally to go into, um, uh, go into a Zinch army, in my personal opinion, uh, because then you can do that on horrors and you can make them minus one to be wounded. So minus one to be wounded, and then the Nurgle one gives a Nurgle unit. All of these, by the way, buffs apply to a single unit. So a corn single unit gets plus one to charge. A Zinch single unit um, is minus one to be wounded. A single Nurgle unit gets plus one to its wounds, uh, to its wound roll for melee profiles. And then the, which is a great one, absolutely great. So your Nurgle unit that's ignoring Rem 1 is minus one to be wounded, is now plus one to wound, which is phenomenal. And then uh, your a Sinesh one is you get to charge, uh, make de declaration for charges outside of 18 inches, and you get to roll 3d6 on your charge, which is also another great one. You get that virus spell, though, already. Running charges is only so fast you need to be, which is not something I really say very often in this game. But I feel like the Nurgle one is again the winner in my personal opinion, with the Zinch one really good as an ally, I think. So yeah, War Shrine is an interesting one. The chat are a little bit undecided on the War Shrine. I'm a little bit undecided on the War Shrine. Depends how many points you've got less left in your army. Um, and you already get a load of buffs anyway, right? So like with the flags and the banners. So not 100% certain. Happens on a three up, not super reliable. But I'd love to know what you think. So uh, do let me know in the comments, I guess. Okay, so one of our generic characters, the Chaos Lord on Karkatrak, is kind of like a, a mobile combat piece. Uh, in, you know, he's kind of in that duelist category, but he also has some support piece uh, along with him. So he's a duelist support piece, basically. Uh, he's got nine wounds with three up save. Great, survivable, wicked. Love that. Moves nine inches, costs 220 points, and is bravery nine. He's got uh, three weapon profiles, four attacks on the battle axe, uh, which is threes and threes, rend one damage two. Um, uh, three attacks on the demon bound blade, which is three uh, threes and threes, rend two damage d3. Uh, with his demon bound blade, any sixes to hit, inflict a mortal wound on the target in addition. And then also Tearing Horn and Claws. It's four attacks, fours on threes, rend one, damage two. Like I've said in all of these, if you have a Marker Nurgle, he's going to be minus one to wound, more survivable. Give him Marker Corn, he's going to be even more punchy. Plus one attack on all those melee profiles with ways to also add plus one to those as well. So, 
very powerful, uh, could be, no, not very powerful, but could be pretty fighty if you wanted him to be. However, the, the key thing that he's got is um, the Knights of Chaos ability. So when he charges in, so when he charges, he gets the strike first ability. So he gets to strike first. And then he allows a unit of either Chaos Knights, Chaos Chariots, or Corby's Chariots that are wholly within 12 inches of him to also strike first. So then you've got the Karkatrak, 220 points, and a unit of Chaos Knights or Gorby's Chariots all striking first at the same time. He also does D3 Mortal Wounds when he charges on a 2-up to units that are within uh, 1 inch of him. Uh, and has got a 5-up uh, ward save against Mortal Wounds. So all in all, he's a support piece mainly because he's going to give Always Strikes first to a unit of Chaos Knights, which are going to be able to go fast, which is really good. Uh, the Gorby's Chariot, as has been pointed out in the chat, is also really powerful as well. So I personally think the Chaos Lord and Karkatrak could be very good, like very fighty. And it's just like a very small, like 220 points is fine for like, what is effectively a combat monster that can fight on its own? And then the Chaos Knights can go do something else. Uh, I like it. Maybe also building into Gorby's Chariot lists as well. You could do some really fun stuff with impact hits and do mortal wounds before you do even bigger, like before you push in a load of other models when you charge. Can take a command trait, can take uh, artifacts. Yeah. Yeah, I can see people running the Chaos Lord of Karkatrak. Plus, he's got the sweetest model. He's just sweet, right? So, love that. The next unit is a Chaos Lord on Demonic Mount. He's just a Chaos Lord on Karkatrak, but 50 points cheaper. He has the ability to make Chaos Knights, Chaos Chariots, or Gorby's Chariots fight first. Well, fight after him, after he fights first. Got a 5 at ward against Mortals. Um, has got uh, a better Lance when he charges. Has got one less wound than the Chaos Lord on Karkatrak on 8 wounds. But it's 50 points cheaper. So... If you were trying to maybe get that Chaos Knight thing happening, then there you go. It's kind of okay in a fight. Karkadrak Lord is better. So that's it. That's all it does. It's the same. Like, it's the same as a Karkadrak Lord. So anything you would do to the Karkadrak Lord is this guy, but you would maybe just save some points. Next up is the Chaos Lord on foot. Uh, he's 115 points, and he's neither the duelist nor the support character that he needs to be to be either of those two pieces. He's not really a buff piece, and he's not really a melee character, but he exists, so let's talk about it. He's got six wounds with a three-up armor save, and he moves five inches, so he's slow. Probably going to be walking around with Chaos Warriors. He's able to take a retinue of Chaos Warriors or Chaos Chosen, and they effectively, they're going to give him a three-up bodyguard save using the Warlord's retinue ability. He's got an okay melee profile, but not great. Maybe with the Mark of Corn, maybe with loads of buffs stacked around him, then actually it could be quite interesting. But then that means your retinue is also going to be Mark of Corn, and that feels weird as well. Uh, and his mobility is going to be the real issue in an army that can be insanely fast. Uh, and then he's got the ability Glory in Battle, which is after this unit has fought in the combat phase for the first time, if his retinue is not yet fought in that combat phase, is with three inches uh, and... Uh, and he's wholly within 12 inches of this unit, it can fight. So basically, a unit within 12 inches of him can fight after he's fought. Now, now I'm thinking about it. If you just put like a very slow army maybe down with some screens, like cheap cultist screens, and you just got some warriors and you just stacked on like Wrathmonger buffs and corn buffs and Blood Secretor buffs, then maybe having this guy charge in with like plus three attacks on all of his melee profiles, it's not bad. And then the Chaos Warriors with more attacks not bad as well or even uh, the Chaos Chosen um, is good and also thank you to Moon Tyranny for pointing out his ability glory in battle does mean he's going to get to negate always strikes last Rob what do you mean okay it's really easy we've got a couple of units 
Specifically, I've got a unit of Chaos Warriors, and they've been given some sort of Always Strikes Last debuff. Let's say it's from a Spheranx, or let's say it's from some um, Ghosts, whatever you want. When I activate the this um, Chaos Lord, it's my turn to activate. I activate the Chaos Lord, and the Chaos Lord goes and strikes. I'm then able to use the Glory in Battle ability, which is allowing a unit wholly within 12 inches of Chaos Warriors or Chosen to fight next. Yeah? That means that they skip from going to the from the always strikes last step to this because it overrides it. Um, that was in one of the most recent Battle Scroll uh, updates, so you can skip them. It's also the same thing as smashing and bashing. So maybe not like a terrible use case, but strikes last is not crazy common. It's definitely with Nighthorn, who are very good in the game. They're very very good in the game right now. Um, I don't think 115 points to avoid that. I'm not sure personally. Not sure. Like, I think this is fine. Especially if you're not building, like, Nurgle. Or if you're building Nurgle guys, they're just there to stand on objectives. If you're building Corn guys, they're there to fight. But, um, yeah. Like, maybe we're taking with Chosen. Yeah. Like, I could see that. Like, and he's also a character your opponent will ignore. Just the Chaos Lord who's next to some Chosen will get zero hatred. Because they've got other threats to worry about, like Chaos Knights and Chariots and Varangard and other stuff. That, like, those are the pieces they're going to be concerned about. So they're probably not going to care very much about your Chaos Lord. So maybe, maybe for the cheapness of 115 points, I think I've talked myself into it. But you'd have to write the list, see if that's what you want. See what the local meta is like at the time. If that strikes last is going to come into effect a lot, and then maybe it's a great opportunity to use this. The Chaos Sorcerer Lord is like the quintessential magician buff piece in this uh, army. He's a great cast. Well, he's not a great cast. He doesn't have any bonuses to cast. He knows one spell um, and can unbuy one spell, but importantly, is very cheap. He's 120 points. And not only can he cast a great spell, which is his War Scroll spell, which means it's unique to him. Therefore, you want to take him because of the spell. Also, he has a special ability called Oracular Visions, which is, in your hero phase, you can pick a friendly mortal safe darkness unit holding than 12 inches this model. If you do so, they get a 6-up ward save. So there's loads of ways to get ward saves in this army. Uh, War Shrine, a bunch of other stuff. So 6-up ward good but his spell which is the reason you're going to take the chaos sorcerer lord is a cast on a six and it's got a range of 18 inches you pick a friendly mortal slave to darkness unit holding within range and it's 18 inches as well this is great like holding within 18 inches and you add one to hit and wound rolls right like just uh, I said Oracular, I know. I said Oracular. Everyone in the chat, round of applause for Ron. Okay, so <laughs> Oracular Visions. So yeah, someone said that even if someone shuts down his magic, he's still giving a ward save out to a unit. So he's a, he's a good buff piece. He's a, he does double buffs, and his spell is amazing. Plus one to hit, plus one to wound. Crazy stuff. On Archeon, crazy stuff. You big unit of knights, great. Like, even like a like Chaos Lord on Karkadrak for some fighting. Like, it's just an amazing spell. Really good. Um, Chaos of Sorcerer Lord, absolutely fantastic. And it's so cheap, 120 points. Very competitively priced. The Exhort of Hero of Chaos kind of fulfills two roles. Number one is a very cheap character that you can have in your army if you just want to get a maximum other stuff, which is kind of interesting. Just one Exalted Hero of Chaos in your army as your general at 100 points is very cheap, but you're not going to do that, but it's fun. Now, let me tell you what six of these guys can do, okay? Memes. And that is a role in of itself. Memes, more memes, and more memes. There's a couple of ways to meme this. 
Okay, you can have Exalted Hero of Chaos. He gets to choose two different weapon profiles, and they're both uh, damage two, but one of them gives you a three-up save, but half the attacks that the other one does. So he's got six wounds on either a four-up or a three-up save. Whatever. And if you do take the shield version with a three-up save, you'll get a five-up save against more wounds. The real trick, the real trick is... The Dark Blessings. This is where he becomes a meme. 100 points. After deployment, you can roll once on the Eye of the Gods table for this unit. Right? Now, a Demon Prince is 195 points. But an Exalted Hero of Chaos rolling a 12 on the Eye of the Gods and then turning into a Demon Prince gets you 95 points as a bonus. Okay? So the idea is, is you just take six. Right? 11 to 12, sorry. 11 to 12 to get Demon Prince. So you take six and you just try to get as many... You just keep rolling on the Eye of the Gods. You do a spell um, to make it so that they can roll on the Eye of the Gods. You give them an Arcane Tome, or you can put them in Kabbalists so they become a wizard, and then they can ca all cast spells as well. And then you do heroic action to roll on the Eye of the Gods. And you just just keep trying, and you make them all undivided if you want, and try and get them on the Eye of the Gods. Just crazy stuff, right? Uh, make them all undivided for re-rolls, right? 8% of the time it works every time. But just the idea of just continuously turning them into demon princes is why we play the game. Is it good? No. <laughs> it, could it be fun? Absolutely. Could you take one and try and do it? Maybe for a battle tactic? Potentially. Like a little like fun thing that you're doing all the time. Uh, but uh, anyway, great. Great. Love that. I love that idea. Like paint up six different demon princes like that's you like because that could just be your own personal mission at a tournament right just turn up to the tournament bosh 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 just have an adventure um see that jog um anyway and he's also got the ability glory seeker add one to the attacks characteristic of this unit's melee weapons while it's within three inches of any enemy heroes or enemy monsters Add one to the attack's characteristic of this unit's melee weapons while it's within three inches of enemy enemy heroes or enemy monsters which is fine but whatever it's not that good Anyway, uh, but, so someone's asked in the chat, is having one to two extra Demon Princes for 600 points good? The answer is no. Could it be fun? You be the judge. Let me know in the chat. Uh, well, comments. Comments. The Chaos Lord of Manticore is our kind of like monster buff piece, I guess, for the army. He's, um, he's got 12 wounds with a 4-up save, which is pretty weak, but you can take a shield, in which case you get a 3-up armor save and a 5-up uh, mortal wound protection ward save, which is cool. He's kind of got like some okay uh, combat profiles. Um, he can have a flail or a sword. You take the sword, and then you get a shield or a lance. Uh, probably take the shield and the lance, because then you get plus 1 to your save, or save characteristics, so you end up on a 3-up armor save, which is good. Um... Uh, and then he's got like plus one to wound with his manticore against monsters. But the key point is uh, his iron will ability at the end here, um, which is uh, allows you to re-roll the redeploy um, uh, roll. So if you redeploy a unit, you get to re-roll it for a Slaves to Darkness unit. Uh, so if you issue the command with him, which is kind of okay. Redeploy can win games. Like, absolutely. Am I going to spend... Uh, I didn't even check to see how much he cost. Uh, am I going to spend some amount of points? Chaos Lord on uh, Manticore? Don't even know how much it costs. Um, it doesn't say. Oh, 270 points for it? No, I'm not. Okay, no, I'm not. Right? No. Uh, he's a lot tankier than the other Chaos Lords. He is, but I just don't think he really fulfills a unit role. 
Not when the Demon Prince does what the Demon Prince does, right? Like, I think it's a no shot for him. Um, because all of these characters are really, unless they bring something unique, which he does, he brings the redeploy, which is unique. They're all picking something specifically. Um, he doesn't bracket. Good point, Swaggy Shadow Sword in the chat. Doesn't bracket as a monster. Um, and then potentially has some good good damage as well. Um, uh, but yeah. Uh, Reroll, redeploy, great, but that's not 270. Yeah, uh, and he's got a lot of attacks. So again, Marker Corn, like making, it's like he can have a three up save and then he can be minus one to win with Nurgle. Marker Corn, I'm going to say it all the time, loads of attacks. Probably not, but maybe. Okay, so the Chaos Sorcerer Lord on Manticore. Okay, five points cheap and the Chaos Lord, it's 265 points, can cast one spell, obviously flies, move 12 inches, doesn't bracket, can take all of the um, Mark of Chaos stuff. So all of the things I've said previously is a pretty rubbish fighting unit but can fight like 10 man little unit here or you know kind of skirmish units and probably win those fights quite well is a monster so it's got access to monstrous actions which is quite good and then he's got oracular vision so can give a mortal safe darkness unit a six up ward as well but it's his winter chaos spell which is probably one of the reasons that you're taking him um if you use the heroic action so you can cast on 3d6 if you take master of magic as a as a command trait then could become a fairly reliable caster because the spell that you want to cast is cast on an eight. It picks a unit within 18 inches and you roll um, a dice for each model in that unit. And on a five, they take mortal wound, but on a six, they take two mortal wounds. So it can be really, really effective. Like even against uh, a unit with only six models, it should access three mortal wounds, which one of the spell laws is you do three mortal wounds, but uh, one of the spells from the spell law, sorry, is you do three mortal wounds, but if you take any damage, then you get three mortal wounds back. So, they really rate three mortal wounds as being incredibly powerful. You need only look at uh, the Zinch book to realize how good they think three mortal wounds are. So there you go. Um, yeah, you could do uh, tons of tricks if you mark him with Mark of Zinch. It's got a spell ignore. I guess you could teleport units back to you. You could take the arcane tome. I think this is one of those characters that you would really, really have to build into and ask yourself, is the rest of the book trying to play the way that this piece is going to do? And he's got a four-up save with 12 wounds. So without a ward save, which he could give to himself, maybe not that survivable. Interesting piece. Very interesting piece. Uh, maybe you could do some really fun stuff with it in an army. So the Ogroid Mimrodon. It's kind of the, one of the Warcry models that was released a long time ago. And it's just an outstanding sculpt that's always struggled to find its way into the game. Just because it's a duelist character like we talked about previously, but a really bad one. Doesn't provide any support really to the army around it. And it just isn't fighty. And again, Games Workshop knows how to write fighty units. Light of Altharian is a good example. But it just isn't the Light of Altharian or either something even remotely similar. Uh, it's got eight wounds with a four-up save, which as a duelist character is already pretty weak because it's going to die fairly quickly. Uh, he does throw his gladiatorial spear 18 inches and move six inches, so 24-inch threat range. His threes and threes rend one and only does D3 damage. His Gladiator Spear in combat is four attacks, threes and threes, rend one, damage two. So again, not very fighty. If you turn this up to damage three, rend two, then maybe, but no. He basically has um, a worse profile. Like, he almost is a Chaos Chosen in melee profile. Like, one Chaos Chosen. So, and anyway, it's silly. Uh, the Arcane Fury is, if the unmodified hit roll for an attack made by the melee weapons by this unit is a six, the attack scores two hits on the target unit instead of one. 
Uh, and again, if you give them the mark of corn, so you give them as many attacks as possible, maybe you explode a load of sixes and then they turn into something pretty powerful. Plus one to hit, plus one to wound from uh, demonic power from a chaos sorcerer lord. Um, <laughs> you could do some stuff with him, I guess. Uh, then you've got the Berserk Rage ability, which is add one to the wound rolls for attacks made by the melee weapons. If this uh, unit has suffered any wounds or mortal wounds, allocate to it earlier in the same phase. So you're only going to get um, plus one to wound if he's taken some damage and only eight wounds on a four-up save. You really don't want him to have taken any damage because, like, lots of stuff can just kill this guy, right? Like, lots of stuff can kill this guy. Uh, the... Uh, the Ogroid Mimrodon as a leader is 130 points. So he's cheap. Very, very cheap. And um, when you take one of these in your army, uh, then you're able to take a unit of Ogroid Themerodons. For every Ogroid Mimrodon unit, you can have one unit of Ogroid Therodons as a battle line unit. Okay, so let's go look at their war scroll. Okay, so one of the new models, uh, well, the new sets of models from the FOMA box that's being released soon is the Ogroid Therodons. Okay, so they're Beasts of Chaos, yet Beasts of Chaos aren't allowed new models. And so uh, very much like Kragnos, it's a Beasts of Chaos unit that is in a, another uh, book. So they're Minotaurs with big axes. And you kind of got two loadouts with these guys. They're 190 points for three of them. If you want, you could have a shield and the Gronian Falchion. This will give them a four-up save for the unit of three. And they've got five wounds apiece. So 15 wounds on a five-up save. They move six inches and they've got bravery six. However, if you've got a banner, then they're going to be bravery seven. The champion gets plus one to its attacks and the musician uh, allows them to have plus one to charge. Okay. Uh, they definitely will benefit from buffs. Then they're like... They're, they're a low-ish bravery uh, on a high multi-wound model, and then starting out at a five-up save is pretty tough. If you do decide to give them the shield version, so they're on a four-up save as a four-up characteristic, then you'll end up with three attacks at two-inch range, which are threes and threes, rend one, damage two. That rend one's going to be pretty tough, uh, especially into like mirror matches and stuff, but generally. Uh, if you take the Gronian Great Axe, then you get three attacks, threes and threes, rend two, damage three. They have a special ability called Berserk Rage, which is add one to wound rolls for attacks made by uh, melee weapons from this unit if any wounds were allocated to them earlier in the phase. So if you let them get hit first, then they get plus one to wound, which means that they'd be threes and twos, and with all that attack, they could be twos and twos. So very effective. All their attacks should pretty much go through. And then they've got Unleash Savagery's ability, which is once per battle when this unit's picked to fight, you can say it will unleash their savagery. And if you do so, you add one to the attack characteristic of this unit's melee weapons until the end of that phase. Now, obviously, with the Mark of Corn, this immediately means that this unit of three will go up from having nine attacks that is Ren 2 damage three, if you take the Great Axe version to having 15 attacks, oh sorry, 16 attacks, sorry, 10 attacks, because you've all got the champ, to 16 attacks uh, with the Gorgon Great Axes, that's going to be twos to hit, because you can all out attack, twos to wound, because of the Berserk Rage, uh, Ren 2 and damage 3. Interesting unit, interesting unit, maybe not pure trash, um, I always get panicky by a 5 apartment save, I won't lie, I won't lie, but 15 wounds for 190 points, maybe okay, um, they can't rally like something like Chosen can, so that's kind of a negative in their factor. There's not tons of buffs that you necessarily want to put on them. 
but they could become like an incredible hammer unit with at Ren 2 damage 3. You can ally in the blue scribes into Slave Darkness, do Arcane Suggestion, uh, uh, Arcane Suggestion, then they're going to be minus one save. So then it's going to be uh, 50, 16 attack, sorry, you know, uh, Ren 3 damage 3, which is pretty punchy. And 190 points for kind of all that output is really good. Um, uh, like, uh, like, this is this is this is an interesting unit. I think it's a situational hammer unit uh, that you've got. It's definitely a glass cannon. It's a glass cannon fighting unit. It's a big cannon. Like it could pop off, right? So I have no doubt of that. Movement six. I'm not hundred percent sure. Not hundred percent certain. Um, uh, and they don't really tie in with how some of the other units are working. They can't take a banner uh, for them as well, but. Uh, overall, like a very cool unit. I would really like to see the Ogroid side maybe get kind of its own sub-faction, get it, like have more un like something with the Ogroid stuff. You've got the Mimradon, you've got the Fumroy Crusher. feels like you've got enough units to build something. But I think, yeah, like I think overall, maybe an average War Scroll, the chat has kind of convinced me it's not as bad as I thought it was. Uh, but I feel like maybe a slight miss here so far. Anyway, uh, those are the Ogroids. And, you know, prove me wrong. Go out there and be the GOAT. Smash them all in. Okay. Something super exciting from uh, this book is the Chaos Chariots. Um, you've got the Chaos Chariot, which is a battle line unit, seven wounds, four up save, and moves 12 inches. It's 100 points, but you can have either a unit of one or a unit of three. If you're taking the Chaos Chariot, you probably want units of one, mainly because it's got the Swift Death special rule, which we'll talk about in a second. It's got an okay combat profile, seven wounds with a four up save, it's pretty good for 100 points. It's got a large base, so you're going to be able to screen with it really nicely. Uh, stop uh, deep strikes, screen, all those other things. Um, it's got, an, like I say, an okay melee profile, but the real damage is going to come from the fact that it charges. Now, it's got two special rules. It's got don't spare the lash, and once, which is once per battle, this unit can run and still charge in the same turn. So it's going to be very fast. 12 inches plus D6. You can make it 18 with a CP. And then it's got swift death. After this unit makes a charge move, you can pick one enemy unit within one inch of this unit and roll a number of dice equal to the charge roll for that charge move. For each five plus, the enemy unit suffers a mortal wound. Now, you have to roll quite high. On an average dice roll of seven, you can do two or three more wounds. It's not that good. What is really exciting is if you take loads of Gorby's Chariots, they're 100 points. Uh, sorry, no, not Gorby's Chariots, regular Chaos Chariots. They're 100 points. And you could just spam them. Have some real fun. I mean, you could just have a cheap battle line units of three, three units of one, um, and just charge some stuff. Do some more wounds. Like, retreat, do some more wounds. You can't retreat and charge, so they're not quite as good as some of the other units in the game. Uh, like we see with Blade Guys Revenants who have retreat and charge, so they're very good at doing this. But they're very cheap, which is cool. And they kind of, like, battle it out with being a Gorby's Chariot, which is the same kit that you build, by the way. Um, also, it's going to have the mark of... You could give it the mark of Sinesh, so it's got the potential uh, to um, do all sorts of stuff. Uh, like you can have the prayer from the Chaos War Shrine for the charge eight, uh, charge on 3d6. Uh, so it could do even higher number and it can charge from 18 inches, uh, which is cool. There's a prayer that you can do. So that you also, there's, that's the prayer, sorry. There's a spell you can do so you can also charge on 3d6. And then you've got the Gorby's Chariot. The Gorby's Chariot is slightly different. It's 115 points. You get an additional wound. You don't move as fast, though. You only move nine inches. You also don't have run and charge on the Gorby's Chariot. Your melee profile is about the same. It's about the same. But you have unstoppable momentum, which is at the end of the combat phase. If this unit made a charge move this turn, it can make a normal move. So I charge in. 
And then, uh, and this is at the end of the combat, so it has to survive, right? Uh, it can make a normal move, and if I do so, uh, so it's going to move up to nine inches. I move across a units that have got uh, four or less wounds, like I can fly. Okay, you can pick one enemy unit, it passed across and roll a dice for each model in this unit. So in this unit. So if I have one Gorby's Chariot, which is 115 points, I would roll one dice. If I had three Gorby's Chariots for 345 points, I would roll three dice. Any three ups, it's going to do D6 mortal wounds. Now it does that move at the end of the combat phase. So if you want to charge in and do all of this damage, you're going to have to hope that this Gorby's Chariot unit survives. And they, at the end of the day, they have a four-up save. You could give them a Marker No or make them more survivable. You could give them the Marker Sinesh, um, so you make them faster. You could give them the Marker Corn, so you've got slightly more output. Really depends on what you want to do. Um, so yeah, a very interesting unit. Interesting as allies as well, because if you take a unit of three in some other armies, you could do some really fun stuff. Uh, you could Destiny Dice a, a, a charge if you took them into Zinch, which would be really fun. Can you Destiny Dice allies? Maybe not. Um, you could do some fun stuff. You put them in corn in the corn sub-faction and whip them and give them all the, the positives because the charge on the regular Chaos Chariot is your charge roll plus modifiers. That's how that works uh, on there. So you could do some really st fun stuff. Um, oh, yes. If you put them in Knights of the Empty Throne sub-faction for Saves to Darkness, then they get to run and charge as they have a mount already because they count as a mount so it says it on there so the Gorby's chariots better in knights the empty throne uh jacob says in the chat what i like about Gorby's more is it feels like there's more tech you can charge one thing tag the corner and then move your nine over something else more important we're going to see this also on the frostal and stonehorn it's got a monstrous action that can do the same thing so quite interesting tech here um like, yeah if you go all chariots kotep makes a load of sense for the run and charge i think uh yeah like I quite like this, I think. Uh, it doesn't work against monsters, the Gorby's Chariot. So it doesn't work against monsters. So uh, you can't be as effective against Gargants or other stuff. So that makes you have a really tough matchup. I think the Gorby's Chariot kind of makes sense to 115 points, but I like the Chaos Chariot. But as pointed out by Rima Nightspear in the chat earlier, it did this already. So why now? 100 points is very cheap. Uh, does it key in with how the rest of the army plays? Kind of. But not really. Uh, but could be fun. Uh, yeah. I do. I quite like the Swift Death. So I like the Chaos Chariot as well for blowing up mortal wounds. You don't have any shooting in this game, uh, in this army really. So your ability to clear chaff screens so that some of your meteor units can attack is going to be one of the harder things for your army to do. So I quite like the idea of doing Swift Death, having a couple of chariots to to charge in, clear screens so that your bigger hammer units can maybe charge the turn after or even charge that turn, right? Which is quite cool. Yeah, cool unit. Great. Love the idea of chariot armies. Can't wait to see them on the tabletop. Yeah, super fun. Love this. Okay, let's talk about uh, elephant in the room, the Chaos Chosen. Chaos Chosen, a unit of five. They 240 points, a unit of five, and they can be battle line when they are in the host of the ever chosen sub-faction. Uh, so that's important. They can be battle line. Also, when they're in that sub-faction, they also get access to be rallied on a 4+, plus, which is pretty important because they're expensive models, per, like they're expensive points per model. They're Bravery 8, though, and if they've got a banner, they're Bravery 9. So it's pretty good for a multi-wound model unit. They've got 3-up base save, and they have 3 wounds apiece. So they're going to have 15 wounds for your 240 points, which does seem expensive. But they move 5. 
and uh, you've got running charge as a spell. You've got charge from outside 3d6. You've got some ways to make these guys very fast. So while normally I'd say movement five is an issue, they've got loads of ways to go around that issue. Now, um, uh, they've got two-inch range on their weapons, so they're going to be able to attack in two ranks, even if they weren't Galician veterans. Uh, so this is going to be post-GHB, this version of the GHB. Uh, they have got three attacks apiece. They're threes and threes, rend one, damage two. Now, that's a great profile because uh, with the champion having uh, plus one attack, then before you even give them something like the Mark of Corn, this is going to be 16 attacks, threes and threes, rend one, damage two, which is great. With the Mark of Corn, it's going to go up to 21 attacks, threes and threes, rend one, damage two. If you put a blood secret nearby, then 25 attacks, Wrathmongers, 30 attacks. And this is from one unit of five. Okay, unit of 10, it becomes dumb, right? Very good stuff. And we did talk about the damage you could do with these things earlier, right? Absolutely crazy stuff. Their standard barrier adds plus one to their bravery. Uh, their champion, uh, sorry, their musician gives them uh, plus one to charge. So even more likely to get those charges in. The Herald of Ruination, is once per battle, they get to strike twice. Uh, but the second time they fight is at the end, is in the um, fight last step. So they're going to strike last. Um, <laughs> Soul Splitter is uh, the other ability, which is any sixes to hit are going to do a mortal wound in addition to the target. So when you stack more attacks on these guys, they're also going to do even more damage because uh, they're going to get some wounds through and also they're going to do more mortal wounds. Um, and then uh, they've also got the Rewards of Chaos. And if this unit is part of a Slaves of Darkness ar army after deployment, you can roll once on the Eye of the Gods table for this unit. The thing that you really want when you roll on the Eye of the Gods table is to roll a six, because it's going to add plus one to their rend for the rest of the battle. Because at rend one, they're going to have a bit of an issue, I think. Uh, now, there are ways to negate that. Purple Sun in your army is makes the opponent have minus one save. Uh, you could have the... Uh, Blue Scribes to bring in Arcane Suggestion from Zinch for another minus one save, which is quite good. Um, they're a very fighty unit. And also, they've got access to a four-up rally when they're in a certain sub-faction. They could be battle lines. So you don't have to waste points. Uh, they're very survivable. You could put them in Nurgle so they're minus one to be wounded. And then you can make it so they ignore Rend 1. So with a Mystic Shield, these guys will be on a two-up armor save, ignoring Rend 1. You could give them a Zinch banner, which would make them slightly different, where they'd be on a two-up armor save. Oh, and they'd also be minus one to be wounded if they were Nurgle. Zinch, you can have a four-up uh, ward save against shooting. Uh, and a... Uh, a four up or two up save against I think it's four up uh, no six up sorry save against spells which is kind of interesting as well um, I like they are these guys are going to be like they're so good they're so good but they're also expensive they're also expensive um, and there's the options to maybe make to block them up they don't necessarily fly this is kind of an interesting one. I do feel like the screens that maybe the opponent army can fight. I'm just thinking about that command ability we talked about earlier. Uh, sorry, the com not the command ability. The artifacts that we saw earlier where one or two wound models aren't going to count on objectives. And then these guys just beating everything else up. Very interesting. A great unit. Loads of output. Access to loads of buffs. You can really kit them out in a million ways. The miniatures are fantastic. Yeah, really good. Like, Chaos Warriors, Chaos Knights, and these guys, like, you've got some real options. Even the Theradons, really. You've got some real options for, like, melee output, and you can do some dumb damage with these guys. Like, if you if you go really big, like, if you wanted to, you could commit, you can make a battle line, and you can have 15 of these guys. It's going to be, it's going to be seven more than uh, 720 points or something uh, of an army, but you're going to do such output. 
<laughs> and then they can have rally on a four plus, and they can fight twice. They can have plus one to hit, plus one to wound. Um, like they can have a lot of attacks. Um, yeah, it's also a quarter of your army. Yeah, so like, the chaos shows are an interesting one because they've made an elite unit. They've given them a, an elite price tag. Let's see what they do in games. Right, that's going to be very interesting. Love the Chaos Chosen. Really cool unit. Okay, Chaos Knights. Chaos Knights are kind of interesting because they kind of fit in the same place as Chaos Chosen, but these are the mobile version. Okay, so you get a unit of five and they cost 230 points. 230 points. They move 10 inches um, and they've got three wounds apiece on a three apartment save. So you're going to get 15 wounds for your 230 points, but they're much more mobile than your Chaos Chosen. Now, you're going to take them with lances and you're going to have a champ and you're definitely going to give him the Ensorcelled Warhammer. The Cursed Lance is two inch range. It's got three attacks, fours and threes, rend one, damage one. But on the charge, it goes to rend two, damage two. And when you're, uh, when this unit makes a charge move um, with a Cursed Lance, instead of using the range characteristic, you basically can fight in two ranks. You can fight within, you can fight with models that are within half an inch of a model that's within half an inch of the enemy model. So you can kind of, it, we call it fighting in two ranks, specifically half an inch of a, of a model within half an inch, uh, to be specific. That's the Riders of Doom ability. They've got a five-up ward save against mortal wounds. Um, now, some of the key bits here is their standard barrier gives them plus one to their bravery, so their bravery eight. The champion gets um, plus one attack onto his weapons, and he's going to take the ensorcelled weapon. The key part here is got to be the musician. The horn blower uh, means that when you roll, when you do a charge roll, you get to change one of the dice to a four, which means you always guarantee a five-inch charge. Which means these guys automatically have a fifteen-inch threat range. Before you even talk about giving them run and charge, you charge uh, a three to six-inch charge spell, and then it just becomes the universal question with this unit: is do you want to give them more attacks with the mark of corn and the the corn banner for plus one to wound, or do you want to give them the mark of Nurgle, make them minus one to be wounded, and give them um, the minus one rend uh, like banner? Do you want to use this unit to run up the board, pin your opponent back, and make it so that they don't get out of their deployment? Or do you want this unit to be fast and just do an incredible amount of damage? Like, you really have a load of choices with this unit, which is quite interesting. It's a powerful... Uh, yeah, 12-inch banner on the Knights is like half the map. If you're doing the Nurgle banner, it's very, very wide. So... Just a really fascinating unit. You can give it loads of buffs. Also, don't forget, if you're taking a Chaos Lord on Karkadrak or Chaos Lord on Demonic Mount, they can strike first, and then these guys also get straight strike first as well immediately after. The Chaos Knights can potentially supersede some of the uh, All Strikes last effects or um, some of the All Strikes first effects in your opponent's army. So very, very interesting. Fast, mobile, lots of output. Now, their only downside maybe is that they hit on fours, uh, from the to hit buff uh, and that's maybe the biggest issue but if that's the only one you can give them a six up flat ward save from the war shrine or from oracular visions you can still give them plus one to wound rolls if you war shrine them uh, or plus one one for oracular in the nurgle unit yeah so you can you can you can be like i'm gonna have the nurgle unit but i'm gonna give them plus one uh to hit into wound from uh demonic power from the chaos sorcerer lord you've got so many options on how you want to like do you want to make them more fighty do you want to make more tanky or you can kind of like synergize the two Mystic Shield on these guys would also be great. So yeah, they're very much like Chaos Chosen, slightly different, and maybe you could just use them in different ways or you can mix it around. Great unit, great models, great unit. Okay, now I've said the word spicy several times in this show. Yeah, spicy. But Chaos Warriors are spicy. 
They're 220 points for a unit of 10. They have two wounds each on a three-up armor save and they move five inches. They're bravery seven, but their banner is going to give them plus one to their bravery, so they're going to be bravery eight. Their champion is plus one to their attacks profile, uh, like just for just for the champion. The musician um, is plus one to their charges. They get to add one to the attacks characteristic of these units, melee weapons, while it's wholly within the enemy territory or wholly within 12 inches of an objective that you do not control. So if you manage to get to the other side of the board via a teleport, let's say, let's say that's pretty fun, um, uh, then you know you're going to add plus one to the attacks profile. And uh, or if you're trying to charge an objective you don't control, they're going to have plus one. They also got a five up save against mortal wounds. Their, their profile is either the murderous weapons, which have got one inch range, two attacks, threes and threes, rend one damage one, or the halberds, which are two inch range uh, with two attacks each, fours and threes, rend one damage one. So unit of 10 is going to have 21 attacks, which could hit on fours, threes, rend one damage one. Like the halberds are probably going to be more effective uh, because you're going to get to attack from more ranks. I know that's not true in the Galician uh, battle pack that we're currently running, uh, but in the next GHB, I imagine that goes away and maybe the halberds are more, more effective. Either way, the thing, the thing that they do is going to be having 20 wounds on a three-up armor save, okay, for 220 points. That's crazy. With a Mystic Shield or just all-out defense, it's going to be a two-up armor save. And I know I've said this a lot, but this is where you're going to take a banner. You're going to take a banner and these guys are going to be the mark of Nurgle. They're going to be the market Nurgle, and they are going to be minus one to be wounded. And then they're going to have the banner that reduces Rend by one. So with an all-out defense, if you've only got Rend one, these guys are going to have 20 wounds on a two-up armor save. Okay? And then you can take them in a sub-faction, and they're going to rally on a four plus. You are never, ever going to kill 20 of these. You're just not going to. Like, and that's not, that's before we get into anything else. They've got spells to make your strikes last. They've got chariots that charge in and do mortal wounds. They've got a Nurgle Demon Prince nearby to make sure that they do not, well, he's probably going to fly, so maybe not. But if he's got the rack version, he's going to make it so that you um, are immune to battle shock. Or he's going to charge in and your opponent isn't going to get ward saves. They're going to have plus one to hit and wound from uh, demonic power, but probably not. They might have a plus one to wound for, if they're Nurgle from the War Shrine. Probably not as well, because War Shrine's probably too much. Uh, they could have a six-up ward in addition from just either the War Shrine or from Oracular Visions. Like, they are the ultimate primary objective holder. They're going to walk into the middle of the board, hold objective, and be like, this is mine. That's not even if you're talking about, let's say, a demon prince who's got the artifact that means the opposing units aren't going to count for... Um, uh, one or, opposing units of one or two wounds won't even count for controlling objectives. Amazing. And they're your battle line. Like, even if you don't give them any buffs, even if you don't make them... The, even if you just make them Mark of Nurgle... Don't even take a banner and don't have rally on a four plus. It's 220 points for 20 wounds on a three up armor save. Like you ignore everything about the buffs. The war scroll is great. Like I might put them into a Zinch army because they're just good. Like you could put 20 of those in the Zinch army, 10 of those in Zinch army, no props. Like they're great. Like. Uh, <laughs> like they're great now their output is a little bit limited it's not terrible 
Don't get me wrong, the output's a little bit limited. But then you definitely have other units that could do the output specifically chosen. Maybe even Therodons. Maybe with the ability... And they're on 32 more bases as well, so they're going to take up a large portion of the board. So maybe even a unit of Therodons can like flank in and do some punching, which is going to be really good. Um, uh, so yeah, just some really cool stuff. Really cool stuff in there for Chaos Warriors. Uh, and good, because Chaos Warriors should be good. They should be terrifying. They're going to be maybe a bit boring, because they just stand on objectives, but they're going to do really well. So, uh, but interestingly, in the mirror, <laughs> the Slaves of Darkness Demon Prince with the uh, artifact, or with the Crown of Command or whatever it is, is going to make it so they don't even count for objectives, <laughs> which is kind of weird and fun. Uh, so I love that. Anyway, uh, great unit. Really fun. Going to change the shape of the game a lot. Okay, so the Varangard, they have their own sub-faction, Knights of the Empty Throne, where they can be here. Well, sorry, they can be leaders, but not a hero. So they won't gain access to a command trait or an artifact, okay? Important. They can also rally on a five up in that faction, or if they go in host the ever chosen, they got a four up rally. They're a great cavalry unit. They got five wounds apiece and they come in a units of three. So 15 wounds on a three up armor save and they're just a cavalry combat unit. You can have a, a couple of different weapons. You can have ensorcelled weapons, a fell spear or a demon forged blade. Um, the ensorcelled weapons is five attacks, threes and threes, rend one damage two. The Fell Spear is three attacks, threes and threes, Ren two, damage two. But on the charge, they get a plus one to wound. So they're going to be three attacks, threes and twos, Ren three. Because they also get additional Ren as well, damage two. I think I'd probably go for the Ensorcelled Weapons. Then the Demon Forge Blade is three attacks, threes and threes, Ren two, damage D three. But any sixes to hit are going to cause an additional mortal wound. They've got Relentless Killer's ability, which is they get to fight um, again for a second time. Once in the battle in the combat phase, that's a unit that's fought in that phase for the first time. When it's your turn to pick a unit to fight, this unit can be picked again. So that's really good. They've got Warp Steel, Shield, Warp Steel Shields, which is a four-up rally against... Uh, sorry, a four-up ward save against Mortal Wounds. Um, let me tell you, like, they are strong. They're good. They're punchy. Um, the ensorcer weapons went up a damage, which is really great. I feel like I take ensorcer weapons. 15 attacks, 16 with a leader. They're elite, so they can issue commands to themselves. Uh, there isn't plus one for the leader, actually, so just 15 attacks. And then their mounts have got three attacks each. Fours and threes, rend one damage, one. Uh, uh, like, yeah, they did lose sixth circle, so no more plus one damage on the charge. Uh, they did lose a plus one to hit from Archeon, sadly, as well. But you can get plus one to hit in this army really easily. And obviously a CP for anyone. Um, the weapons are just plus one damage. Like, I think ultimately this is a really strong unit. They fight twice. They're 208 points for a unit of three, 15 wounds. You, like, you're being very specific. Like, depending if you're mathing it out, difference between Chaos Knights, Chaos Warriors, Chosen and Varangard, they're all doing the same job. They're, you know, they're, but they, they're different enough. Their profiles are different enough. What they bring to the table is different enough. And what mark you give them is going to give them, make them different enough. There's a sub-faction where you can make Varangard specifically run and charge all the time, which is super cool. I love that. 3d6 charges you can do. Mark a corn, make them more killy. Mark a Nurgle, make them... Now, you can go on to, if you would like to, AOS Stats Hammer and run a load of math on exactly what units are going to do, what output. Um but they're just a great unit, uh, which one of the combat units, which loads of Slave Starts book are. Like, really good. Really, really good. Yeah. I mean, a rally on these guys is crazy. Crazy. Um, 
So yeah, absolutely love these. Yeah, great unit. Okay, we're on to the Soul Grinder. Now, uh, the chat have described this as the ugliest model in the history of time, and I agree. It's got 18 wounds and a 4-up save, and it is 230 points for one. It's on 130 mil base, so it's massive. Absolutely massive. Uh, it's got 18 wounds with a 4-up save. Don't forget, you can take it in a sub-faction where it gets plus 2 wounds, so it can have 20 wounds. Mark of Nurgle, minus 1 to be wounded. Sure. You could also have it so that you take uh, the Demon Prince and you heal everything with a monster keyword three. So you could take four of them for a thousand points, a Demon Prince, and heal them all three and just push it forward like a meat wall that never moves, uh, which is fun. Then it's got a range of weapons, all of which are rubbish. It's got Harvested Cannon, which has got six shots that do one damage. It's got Flem Bombardment, which sounds hilarious, which is... One attack, but it's damage. Uh, it's Ren 2 and it's damage 3, but it hits on a 4. It's got Photon-Driven Legs, uh, sorry, Piston-Driven Legs, which is 6 attacks that hit on 4s, which is damage 2. And then it's got either a Warp Metal Blade or a Demon Blade Talon, which is kind of varies between hitting on 4 and having Ren 2, or hitting on a 3 and being Ren 1. But the spice is the Hellforge Claw. And this is, if you hit with a six, it inflicts D6 mortal wounds. And don't forget, if you take the Mark of Corn, you can add plus one to your melee profile. It starts with one attack, you can have two attacks. Blood Secretor, three attacks. Wrathmongers, four attacks. So you just have four of these in a line with all the buff pieces behind it. And you run forward, trying to give it as many attacks as possible. And you just do Hellforge Claws, D6 mortal wounds, Hellforge Claws, all the time. And just have the best time of your life. That's all you do. So you try and create, it's a silly, silly idea, but I'm into it, and we should try and do it. So great, that's the uh, Soul Grinder. Okay, we're on to easily the best unit in all of Warhammer Age Sigmar. That's right, it's the Mutileth Vortex Beast. The You know how there's an, uh, an MVP, most valuable player? This is the most valuable beast, the MVB. The Mutileth Vortex Beast, the MVB. Okay, it's got 14 wounds with a 4-up save. Okay, it moves 10 inches. It's got a crushing claw attack, which is four attacks that hit on fours, wound on a one, rend one D3 damage. And then it's got a botanical maw, which is three D6 attacks, but it's fours and fours, no rend damage one. So it wouldn't, I wouldn't really describe it as like a combat monster, but it is a monster, so it's going to count four on an objective and also do monstrous actions. Now, the important part is, and it's also not like crazy survivable, right? But it's only 185 points, 14 wounds, 185 points. It heals D3 in each of my hero phases, okay? Now, the important bit that it's got is its aura of mutation, which is in your hero phase, you can pick an enemy unit within 18 inches and you roll a dice, consult the table, and it affects that unit with whatever the result is. However, if you're near a Zinch keyword, not safe to die, a Zinch keyword, hero, then, oh, sorry, Zinch, D, uh, Zinch keyword, wizard, then you roll two dice and you choose the result of those two dice, right? And they are great. Now, if you roll a one, you subtract one from the bravery characters of the unit for the rest of the battle, and that stacks, okay? Minus one bravery, minus one bravery. Truck brains, you subtract one from the run rolls made for that unit for the rest of the battle, and that stacks. Gift of mutation, subtract one from the move characters of that unit for the rest of the battle, and that stacks. And then Tide of Transmogrification is D3 Mortal Wounds. So that's a four. A five up is D6 Mortal Wounds. And a six is D6 Mortal Wounds and you create a Slaves to Darkness uh, Zinch Chaos Spawn. So 
There's a list. Now, it's a great question. If you put this into the Disciples of Zinch, have four of them. Rolling two dice, I think that's a three-up chance that you're going to roll. Like, what does that make it? Does it make it... You need to get a five or a six for D6 Mortal Wounds. But being near as... It got significantly better. I'm very excited about this because I want to run four of them, right? Um, so they're very good. Well, no, they're not very good, but they're very meme which is great, right? Uh, yeah, so a 5 plus on 2d6 is basically a 50-50. So you probably are going to do 2d6 mortal wounds at 18 inches in the hero phase, but you might do 4d6 mortal wounds and create a spawn. And actually, not too bad in uh, the Disciples, uh, in the Safes of Darkness book, because you don't really have any uh, threats at range, which is quite cool. Uh, yeah, the Vortex Beast gun line. Okay, and it's not that expensive. 185 points for one of them for a situational little debuff is pretty cool. Taking four of them is definitely big memes, but it's still not 800 points in your army. You've got four monsters. You controlling the board. That's pretty fun. Yeah, I think that that's a great ability. I think it's a cool unit. I love having it in the in the game. Okay, so we're onto the Marauder Horsemen, or we're onto the Marauders before we get into the Cultists, and this is where we get into kind of the chaff element of the book. The Marauder Horse, and they're all going to be about the same or wildly different. And what I mean by that is, is they're going to be a very cheap unit that's either uh, an infantry unit looking at the cultists, or it's going to be cheap like the Marauder Horseman as a battle line unit. Uh, no, sorry, as a cavalry unit. But they're all screens. But some of them are going to be screens that do better. So it's kind of like a... like. There's a very detailed conversation about what marks to give things like Iron Golems or Splintered Fang and building around some of those units, especially if you're going to play in something like Ravagers, where you're going to recycle some of these units. But the Marauder Horsemen are a cheap unit. They're 105 points for a unit of five. They're two wounds apiece, so they're 10 wounds uh, that are going to screen the board quite nicely because they're on cavalry bases. Um, and they've also got the feigned flight, and this unit can retreat and still shoot and or charge later in the same turn. And they've got one attack that's uh, fours and fours, rend one, damage one. So they're, so they're kind of okay. Um, and then, uh, yeah, and they're also minus one to be shot from, from shooting. The Chaos Marauders, which is a unit of 10 for 85 points, are, um, are just fine. They're just a cultist unit. But like, they're, well, they're not a cultist unit, they're a marauder unit, but I bet the cultist units are better because they're going to have some sort of special ability that's going to key in really nicely with the marks. So probably the day of the marauders is over and the day of the cultists is on. If you, for some reason, get a Mutant Vortex Beast kit in your hands and then you think... I'll build a Slaughter Brute. I hate you. But if you do decide to take a Slaughter Brute, which you can if you want to, then you'll get a 14-wound monster with a 4-up armor save that moves 10 inches. His weapon profile is the worst thing I've ever seen. Ever. He then can be bonded to a master, and when you set this unit to be part of your Saves to Darkness, hero, uh, Saves to Darkness army, he gets bonded to a hero. If... You want to, you can make this thing charge 3d6 uh, out from outside of 18 inches instead of 2d6, but it's going to cost you a command point. Okay? He's also got Leave Done Alive, which is a command ability, so he fights at the top bracket, and his top bracket is this. Eight attacks, hitting on fours, wound on threes, rend one damage, d3. He's got Mighty Jaws, which are two attacks that hit on fours, wound on a one, that have no rend and a damage three. And then... That's it. And he's 185 points. 75 points. I'm out. That's all I'm going to say. 
Rend 1 damage D3. He is atrocious in every way. That's my most negative review, and I'm sorry about that. Okay. He's, yeah, how is he so weak? It's a great question. Okay, so the only thing that we haven't yet got access to as rules is the cultist stuff. Now, the cultist stuff is, uh, there's some, like, playtest leaks, but I'm not 100% certain about those because I haven't seen the paper, so I'm not going to update them. Uh, I'm not going to review them right now. So it is an incomplete review, and I'm sorry. And as soon as I do get access to them, I will look at them. But ultimately, they're going to fill the cheap battle line role in the army. They're going to tie in really well with the cultist sub-faction. The mark of Corn or Nurgle or any of those is going to come in really key with them, especially if Splinter Fang keep the same stuff. Iron Golems could be quite interesting. Ultimately, what they're going to be is very cheap screens that maybe have some utility for the very punchy, good quality pieces of like Varangard, Chaos Knights, uh, and some of the other stuff. Overall, as a review for the overall as a review for the book, I think that. Um, I think the book is going to be very good. It's going to get pitched in at an S tier. It's going to get pitched in as an S tier book. It doesn't have some utility. It doesn't have the ability to maybe clear screens before it's big combat charges. So things like Bliss Barb Archers as allies might be really useful. It doesn't have also the ability to reach out and kill key characters at the back of the board, which like is going to be something you need to address as well in an army. Um, Ultimately, I think you're going to be able to build meme lists, strong lists, great lists. Um, you're going to be able to win tournaments. You're going to be able to try and get as many Demon Princes as you can. Be a Mutalith Vortex Beast Bro. I think the book's cool. What's also cool about the book is the book is its own counter, which is interesting as well. I got to say, though, one of the reasons it's so good is because it's ability to multi-stack stuff. You have good uh, you have good War Scrolls. Then you get your sub-faction, uh, or sorry, your marks, which really, really help. Then you get sub-faction abilities that help even more. You've got great buff pieces, which help even more than that. The heroic actions are really going to key in with the army as well. So overall... Just a wildly different book with loads of different builds that I think is pretty interesting. Yeah, I think I like it. Can't wait to see the cultist stuff as soon as the cultist stuff comes out. But overall, I really enjoyed it. I've recorded this video today over the nearly seven hours with the Twitch chat. So I want to thank the Twitch chat for being here with me. I then also want to thank everyone who's ever supported the show, like on my Patreon. So if you want to help support me on Patreon, then I'm not going to argue about that. So there we go. I've had a lovely time reviewing the book. Seems cool. Uh, and yeah, loving it. Absolutely loving it. So thanks for listening and I hope you enjoy it. And if you listen to the podcast, stay hydrated. And if you're watching this back, please like, comment, subscribe and all those other things.